This episode of the ABZ Football Podcast is sponsored by Siberia Bar and Hotel on Bellman Street, Aberdeen. Located only 30 seconds walk away from the nearest bus stop, taking supporters to Pataudry for free on match days. Siberia Bar and Hotel is open seven days a week, all year round, and get fired in with our exclusive discounts. Head to the bar and quote the phrase ABZ Pod, that's ABZ Pod, for a £3 pound of Foster's, a £4 for a pint of Moretti or Dark Fruits, or £5 for a pint of Fierce or a Daiquiri any day of the week, including match days. Come on, you Reds. Red slight of foot there. Wednesday and you know what that means. Welcome to episode 74 of the ABZ Football Podcast. I'm Gary Scott. Joining me this week as always it is Gavin J. Baxter and a welcome return to the fold for Mr. Graham Steele. Gents, how's it going? Good, thank you. Been a lot better until about five minutes ago when Jordan Henderson scored. Well, yeah, it might be a depressing episode. Yeah. We're always depressing episodes. <laughs> True, it might not be Aberdeen making us depressed. <laughs> for once came into this game with trepidation anxiety and now it's just like foregone conclusion that uh, England will be progressing but I'm sure France will take care of that here there we go in a week that saw hearts involved in a mid-season brawl with Almeria that saw their game abandoned that saw Park Thistler goalkeeper Jamie Sneddon with a last minute equaliser for the Harry Rags at Cove and saw the Dons draw a non-league opposition in the Scottish Cup for the first time since 1971 yes what exactly is a Darvel? It's another busy-ish week on the APZ Football Podcast as we are going to take a look back. We're going to give you our views on the new boys who arrived at the club this summer. It's all about recruitment this week. Uh, we'll take a look back at all the news from AB24. We'll check in with the Quines along with the young team and our regular loan watch. And after the break, as we said, given this episode is all about recruitment, we'll bring you an interview with Lee Scott, Chief Scout for Valais of the Argentinian Premier Division, but before that, most recently, the former recruitment analyst at the Dons, who was part of our recruitment drive over the summer, as he gives us an insight into the structure of our recruitment team, his role, how it all ties together, and does Darren Mowbray exist? Well, that was the plan. But as we all know, in Scottish football, things can change on a dime. Due to contractual issues a la Liam Scales, Gary was unavailable for the chat with Lee Scott, so we've had to rejig a few things, and instead of bringing one giant episode on Wednesday, what we're going to do instead, we're going to release this episode with myself, Gary and Graham talking about the summer recruitment, and then later in the week, most likely Friday, we will then bring you our chat with Lee Scott, and we'll get to the bottom of all the important questions, and make no mistake, we will find out about Dan Mowbray. Thank you very much. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. But first, if you've been with us for the last couple of weeks, um, you'll have heard us run down the season to date so far alongside our esteemed guests in the form of Tom Watt and Andy Murray. And at the end of each of those segments, we had Tom and Andy uh, give us their thoughts on our new signings who joined us in the summer. So we thought maybe now it was time 
for us to do a little bit of a deep dive on our new arrivals, how we think they've got on, and I guess there's even some hashtag data to help us on our way. I guess before we get started on that, boys, um, Gav, you you kind of threw this one out to the the, the Twitter sphere the other day, um, and it's maybe worthwhile asking you to as well. Obviously, last summer we saw a number of players leave the club, not just coming in. In hindsight now, um, are there any of the players who did leave that you think we maybe should have kept a hold of? Not that I can think of off the top of my head. Yeah, if money wasn't an object, then Lewis Ferguson. But uh, obviously the Mm. deal worked out very well for Aberdeen in that sense, and it's worked out pretty well for him so far. Um, Given the difficulties, given the shuffling of the deck we've had to do at times, and given how light we are... um, Probably Considine. Yeah, Ferguson. Actually, I've forgotten Ferguson. Ferguson's a good shout, and for sentimental reasons, Considine. Sentimental, and he's 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 done a job for St Johnston this year. Um, much to my uh, much surprise, actually. Um, yeah, as far as just having another experience to at the back and coverage. Um, if we could have worked out an arrangement with Andy and perhaps more poignantly, perhaps his agent, then I think that would have been a. I think that could have solved a few problems that we've had to deal with up until this point. Yeah, that that's probably that's probably fair. Uh, other than that, the rest of them it was clearing out the deadwood or just time for guys to to move on. So I don't, th- I, no one's gone away and done anything that's made me think, ah, that's that was a real mistake. How come we couldn't get him to do that at Aberdeen? Jet scored a penalty last week. Surprising, it bothers us to get out of bed and play. Um. Yeah, I think from my perspective, I, I don't think there's any of the guys who left. Realistically, you know, we would have kept um, Ramsey, Ferguson, you know, they, they were always going to go, especially with some money on offer for the club. So I don't think they're realistic to suggest we would have kept them. Um, Considine maybe, but I, the thing is, I still think the club were kind of right about the Considine thing. I think a year's deal would have been the max. They, they should have offered him. And if, if that wasn't going to work out, that wasn't going to work out. I must admit, I've been surprised he's played. I think he's played every minute. Of the league game and of league games, I think so far for for St Johnston and his his um his hashtag date is actually pretty good this season as well. In fairness, but I think he would have been a cover player for me anyway. I don't think it would have been him in as a first choice. I think having him and Anthony Stewart as a centre half pairing would um be giving me all sorts of fears in terms of pace and a ball over the top. Um, one thing I would say we didn't talk about this last week, but I'm really pleased. I must admit, I'm really pleased for Dylan McGee that he's picked up a club now at Forest Green Rovers, and I saw he got man of the match for them yesterday as well. So, um. I don't think we really ever saw the best out of McGee um, at Aberdeen. I think there's definitely a player in there, and if he keeps himself fit, Graham's just like smirking. I can see at the moment. Um, but I'm glad to see he's picked up a club because I think out of all the guys who left us last season, for him to have been the one that didn't pick up something was a bit of a shame, I thought. So at least he's got something now, and hopefully he can kind of crack on. But anyway, looking at the boys who came in the door, will we just, in traditional sense, start at the back and work our way forward? Let's do this. Okay, let's do this thing. So, first up, Kelrus, or as Andy Murray nicknamed him last week, Crossferatu, which is genius, in fairness. Absolute genius. Uh, Kelrus, free transfer, signed on a two-year deal from Derby County, where he'd been in and out of their first 11 for the last couple of seasons. Now, at six foot five, he's a big lad, and he's not exactly a rake either. He's, he's, he's pretty well built, in fairness to him. Um, he's come in, he's been handed the starting jersey he hasn't looked back, he's played every minute of the season so far so that's 21 appearances in total has conceded 25 goals over that period, in the league it's 23 goals conceded in 15 games played, 4 clean sheets during that 
Uh, in terms of his individual statistics, he's ranked second in the league for a save percentage, 67.6%, which is just tucked in behind Craig Gordon. Third in the table as well for saves per 90 minutes. That's 3.2. And he's made 48 saves across the season so far. Now, the most important metric, I think we'd all probably agree for a goalkeeper, is probably the goals prevented one. Uh, for Roos, he's currently showing a goals presented, a goals prevented figure even of minus not 0.6. So that's calculated by subtracting the number of actual goals conceded from his expected goals on target. So for Roos, he's conceded 18. Penalties are not included in this against an expected goals on target of 17.4. So he has slightly, slightly underperformed in this regard. Gents, your own thoughts on Kel Roos and I guess is he now the undeniable number one at the club? So I think, shall we shall we rank them out of 10 as well? Should we go with that? Uh, Ten notes or stars. Go with that gimmick. Yes. Okay. Um, Kel Roos, I mean, when you put it in those terms, it sounds like he's had a, a good season and cemented himself at Aberdeen. Um, 5.5 for Kel Roos from me. Um, I feel like every week we, we flip about our feelings on Kel Roos. It's one week it can be, yep, so today he made a few good saves and he started commanding his box a little bit more and good communication, good with the ball at his feet. And then the next week it's like, wow, um, we've got, we've got Mark Howard again. Um, I'm, overall, I've not been hugely impressed. Um, like you say, for the size he is, he not commands the box enough. I think there's been a numerous goals conceded that he should have prevented. He's on his day capable of being a good shot stopper, but beyond that, um, I think when I put it in the context of where we've come from with, with Joe Lewis, who did not have a great season last year, um, as did nearly nobody else. But um, the question is, has Killers come in and been a marked improvement on Joe Lewis? I would struggle to make that argument. Uh, so yeah, pretty pretty inconsistent. But yeah, not, not been hugely impressed, truth be told. So 5.5. I'll... Uh... I'll confess, actually, I kind of lost my train of thought trying to understand all that data, gobbledygook. Um, so I think I don't necessarily need that to to form my opinion. I'm going to be generous and round up to a six. Um, and I just, I just don't think he's better than Joe Lewis. Like you'd look at him, that you know he's at least as tall, but he's probably a bit sturdier than Lewis. So you think that that'll stand him in good stead, uh, but he just doesn't use it. Uh, like you're saying, Gavin, he just doesn't. I don't think he commands his box for a keeper who looks like he's got all the physical attributes that you'd that you'd want. And I think the shot stopping's a difficult one to necessarily boil down to because you've not seen Lewis get a run of games in front of that defence. You don't know what sort of chances are being conceded. So there may be sort of six or and a half. Behind the defence, even. I, well, yeah, so you know what I mean? Lewis hasn't had a run of games. Um, you're right, with that defence. So you don't know what sort of sh- shots he'd be facing. But He's probably on a par with Lewis from that point of view, maybe a little bit below. I know he's been at fault for some, but then find me a keeper who's not at fault for goals. I think the biggest difference between the two of them is is not having any confidence when the ball comes into the box for Kelrus. He's either stuck on his line or flapping at it, generally speaking. And I felt Lewis was pretty good at usually coming and just collecting which just takes the heat out of the situation because, you know, punching it's fine if you get a really good punch on it, but I mean, keepers just sort of punch it to the opposition and then you're in trouble straight away. Whereas I felt more often than not, Lewis was pretty good at just coming, collecting the ball. Uh, and I felt like 
the players knew he was just always pretty much going to do that. So you kind of get into that mindset of the keepers coming pretty much all the time. So it's easier. I feel like it's a good way to work. Whereas if he's always on his line, I just unsettles me a little bit. So I'm going to say a six. I don't think he's as good as Joe Lewis, personally. That being said, he probably has found his feet a little bit from when he first arrived. I feel like he has, he has improved. His performances are better. I just, I personally don't think he should be the number one. But to answer your question, is he undeniable number one? I guess you've got to say yes. Yeah, I think Roos is an, he's an interesting one, isn't he, from that side of things? Because, Gav, you're right. I think we flip between, on a weekly basis, whether he's doing well or whether he's been poor. Um, I'm trying to think which game it was now. Was it Hibs at home, where I thought he played really well? I distinctly recall you commenting that you thought, felt it was his best game. I think Aberdeen. it was his best game, Hibs at home. And then the Tuesday... The following choosing is Livingston away. He was back to being pretty poor again. He's 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 a very odd goalkeeper to try and get a proper read on. Because the thing is, like, this is where I think statistics sometimes or the data can be perhaps misleading. I guess from one perspective, because his his metrics are all actually pretty decent this season um, compared to everyone else in the league. But when you watch him, there is just this little nagging feeling about him, isn't there? Sometimes he's just not quite there he's got all the tools in the toolbox to be a really really good goalkeeper he's got he's good size both height wise and from a frame perspective he's actually not bad with the ball at his feet in fairness to him he's if there's one thing he's got above joe lewis it's it's his ability with the ball at his feet now i don't want to get into an argument now about well who gives a shit because he's a goalkeeper so he should just be doing that but just in terms of an all-round rounded goalkeeper he's he's definitely a better player with the ball at his feet than than, than lewis is but for me it's just a complete lack of willingness to use that size and bulk that he's got he should be coming and claiming or and we've seen it a few times this season when he comes and he tries to punch the ball whether and it's not a preference for me don't get me wrong but when he comes and does it he generally does it quite well um so it's like just do more of that especially because goalkeepers are effectively a protected breed as well that nine times out of ten if he gets knocked or he, he makes a big deal of it we'll probably get a free kick anyway so um, shot stopping I think he's been generally okay I can't really think of too many goals that I'd look at and go he should have done better with that I think the Motherwell goal um, away from home that McKinstry scores I, I still think he should do better with that apart from that there's not very many I think he could have done there's definitely been a couple I know we've spoken but I can't Ross remember Ross away Ross, but then you know that goes back to look at any keeper any season there'll always be some way you can say oh, he should have done better there I don't, I don't feel like he's been chucking them in no, I mean, and his on a regular basis, and we're probably been a little critical on the ones that we think he could have done better with. But I think the main gripe is definitely the commanding of the box. Yeah, um, his goals prevented kind of stack up to that, don't they? He's not throwing them in. You know, he's he's basically conceding what he should concede effectively. Um, I think the th- the big thing for me is the lack of commanding of the box, especially for a team who've really struggled with set pieces this season. I can't help that part of that is because we don't have a goalkeeper coming and dominating. I think there's a bit, I mean, we're not the tallest team. No, we are, so we are you, absolutely we, not the tallest you, team. You know, it's not like we've got uh, giants at, at the back who are clearing everything anyway. So I feel like you may be relying on your keeper more in that situation because the likelihood is someone's going to outjump your defenders. So that puts more pressure on the keeper, in my opinion, to come in and claim. And he just doesn't, he just doesn't do it. I think if we went through the season microscopically, we could pick out goals from, you know, any number of games. Park Thistle comes to mind for me. Yeah, Thistle, yeah. pretty yeah. poor there. Um, it is that thing that when it comes to the data and the stats, 
you compare it to Joe Lewis's last season, and that's kind of reveals that Sam Addis is right, and all this data and all this tippy tiki taka and all the statistics just a load of bollocks. Because you think of like games like Hearts, where he saves a number of shots, but there are shots that are straight at him compared to Joe yeah. Lewis last year, who gets one shot a game, worldy top corner. What he's supposed to do um, with Kel yeah. I just feel that in the future we're gonna lose a really big game because of indecision or a mistake from Kelvis, and we'll all have seen it coming. That's where I am with him. It's fair enough. I think the jury's probably still out. For me, he's probably six and a half out of ten. I don't think he's as bad as in the fives, um, but so he's I not think, been really... So I think we've landed on an average of six there. An average of six, I think, is where we're at. So um, there we go. Let's move on then. Um, Jaden Richardson. So <laughs> what was that, Gav? Well, I was just going to say, I've pulled like a little a little poll of the, the Twitter replies. And about oh, you six, have done one. Excellent. About six to seven is kind of the range that Kelrus is in. So okay. it appears that the people are in agreement with us on that one. Excellent. Gav didn't tell us he was running his own little slide hustle here. Um, well done, Gav. Excellent stuff. Let's let's keep a track on that. That's all by I, by the way. I'm not clever enough to work out how to use Excel properly. <laughs> Jaden Richardson. Um, so signed from Nottingham Forest on a three-year deal in the summer for an undisclosed fee. He's been reasonably consistently in the starting lineup through the season, although he did find himself on the bench for the last game uh, prior to the World Cup break against uh, Dundee United. Matty Kennedy took his place at right wing back for that one. So that's 14 matches in the league, uh, zero assists and zero goals in the league. He's still only 22, so there's still, I guess, time for him to develop. Uh, He's not played a lot of top team football um, in his 22 years. I guess of all of the players so who've played consistently across the season, this is probably the one with the biggest question mark about him, I would suggest. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah, I I don't want to rule him out by any by any means, because I think, you know, he's uh, clearly a player we've invested in with um with a view to the future. Um but it's difficult to not recognise that generally speaking, teams appear to target him and there'll be a reason for that because of their analytics have indicated that he is a significant weakness in our defence. He's since, I don't know, maybe about Tannadice, kind of not been doing the things that he was good at to begin with, which was generally speaking, getting up and down the line and running at opposition wing backs with his with his pace um, and causing problems. Uh, but I think there's a lot to work on in almost every aspect of his game. And it's difficult to, I mean, I think for a number of weeks now, I've been calling for him to be pulled out of the firing line. So it's hard to look at this and be overly positive about Jaden Richardson's performances so far. Uh, so I think I'm going to go ahead and give him, like I said, I'm not ruling him out. I think there's something that we can work with there, but as it stands, I'm going to say a four. Yeah, I think that most of that's fair. There's a lot, uh, when does potential become, like, you know, just not realised or not good enough? Who knows? Uh, I have a horrible feeling he might be walking away from told you with a pile of cash and it's not because he's gone for a big transfer um i hope i'm not i mean yeah there's plenty of time so that's possibly a little harsh but i'm just not really we've spoken about before i'm not really seeing anything that he's like i don't know if it's his role he's unsure but like you're you know 26 percent crossing accuracy so you're not really getting anything from him in the final third oh but he quite he quite often certainly beginning of the season was popping up in the final third but you know not doing anything really yeah, and then on the flip side, he's at the quiet position because he's in the final third, so he's not doing his defensive job because everyone's targeting that side either because he's a weak defender or they know he's not 
necessarily figured out when he should go and when he needs to maybe stay and form part of that defensive unit. So I just don't really think you're getting much forwards or backwards out of him. He just seems to be stuck in no man's land. Um, plenty of time for him to turn it around, but so far, yeah, given that it's a reasonable sample size, um, you know, it's not enough to write him off his career by any oh. means, but it's enough to form an opinion over some of the other guys that we might touch on who people probably have forgotten who have signed them. So he's got a guess, lot to learn. Do you guys think he's like more comfortable at wing back rather than right back in the back four? Do you think he's maybe been helped a little bit by the shift in formation? Possibly, but not it's enough. Covering, it, theoretically, it should cover for his defensive deficiencies more. It should do, but then that just highlights that he's not really delivering in the final third either. Well, I was going to say that's the, uh, conversely, I think since we moved to back three, I think his attacking output suffered actually, which is a bit odd. Um, yeah, so I would I would take your point if I felt, okay, he's maybe not having to do or is not as exposed defensively and that's great because look at the crosses he's been putting in the assists, but it's almost like a change, not necessarily to help him out, but a change that theoretically should help him out actually hasn't had any positive impact and I, I can't quite get my head around that one either. So I think um, I would go with a four. I hope he can you know, turn it around or we can you know, adjust the team a little bit to to help him out because he's a relatively young man. We've got him for a few years, so you kind of hope that he starts to make that position his own. Yeah, and I guess that's the thing we need to put into perspective as well with Rach- Richardson, I suppose, isn't it? That he's he's 22, so, you know... In the modern game, that's not young anymore, you know, because you, yep. you're seeing players come through at 17, 18. Um, but he's only really had one half season of, like, men's football under his belt before he moved here. That was half a season at Notts County last year. Um, I don't care what anyone says. There's a definitive step up in quality between the National League in England and the, the Premier League in Scotland. Um, he needs to kind of get to grips with that quite quickly. He has only played 14 games. So maybe we just need to give him a little bit of time before he gets written off, but so far it's not been ideal. I think he's got all the tools, I think, there to be a good attacking fullback, right wing back. Um, he's, he, I mean, his pace is frightening at times, in fairness to him. Um, defensively, it's just that lack of, lack, lack of nous, I think. I can't decide, like I said, you know, we highlighted earlier on, his, his crossing accuracy is 26% this season, which I actually can't decide if that seems reasonable for a wing back. One well, of the boxes coming in is without is any comparisons, it's a bit because you look at that and you think that is he's a professional footballer. Yeah. That's garbage. But actually, if you were to put all the guys that play in his position and line up their stats and he's in and around pretty much, you know, the, the best of the rest or something, then okay, that is just the percentages that you can expect. You'd think it should be more, but it's not. So it's difficult to know without any context. But you just look at that and I guess I haven't done it, but if you're a professional footballer and you're training, how hard can it be across the ball? Well, who is held up right now as being probably the best right back in the world from an attacking perspective? In the world? Well, yeah, or let's just say, maybe not in the world, let's just say on the British Isles, who's held out consistently as being... I guess you'd be looking at your Kyle Walkers. Yeah, or for the sake of looking at it right now, let's just say Trent Alexander-Arnold, <laughs> ah, because yes, he's the guy who I've thrown up the um, stats for. Yes. His cross accuracy this season... Um, it's 25%. He has been ranked, though, this year. He has been, hasn't he? Bad comparison. Um, mm. Let's look at Kyle Walker, will we, quickly? Don't say we're not professional by looking at this shit on the fly. <laughs> Kyle Walker is the season 17%. So, 17%? I don't know. Um, 
do these guys not train? Maybe that's, that's Holland that they're throwing the ball at. I know. I don't know. <laughs> not Sean. Maloney. How many would he score with more than a seventeen percent cross accuracy? <laughs> Maybe James Richards is really good there. He smashed it out of the park at twenty six percent. But yeah, I apologise, Jim. Turns yeah, out, let's... turns out one in four is there's hope for me yet. Yeah, let's uh, revisit all those numbers now. He's a twelve. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, I think I think you're right. I think there's all the tools there to be a good modern attacking fullback. Like I said, I think his confidence has taken a pretty big hit. Um, yeah. Especially since Tannadice. And I'm sure he hears what people are saying, both online and in the grounds. Um, it's easy to just be like, well, just be more confident and do what you're good at. You know, just run it, run at the defenders and, you know. Be good. Be better. Come on, yeah, dude. If, Come if on. It was, if it was um, that easy. <laughs> was that easy, we'd be on the coaching staff with Jim. Well, yeah. If it was that easy, yeah. Gazer wouldn't be as rotten as he is at fives. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I, think I think we're all a little bit uh, rich and laughing at that. Um, so, yeah. And also, there's obviously there's been a little bit of speculation that we're perhaps looking at that lad from um, Tranmere again. He was... Yes. Jaden Richardson was taken out of the team um, what in the last game against against United, um, United yeah. before the break. So it seems that like Jim Goodwin's maybe even recognised it. But yeah, I think he needs to do better. There's certainly no doubt about that. But I wouldn't be writing him off. But it's yeah, also so far. just him. But then you know, think his colleagues in the defence in the midfield maybe try to give him a bit of advice on when to go or when to stay. You know, if he's making these decisions, he's maybe not making the right ones. Then people on the pitch should maybe be helping him out and whether that is just a bit of coaching and almost like telling him what to do yeah then you know that that's all part of being a team it's not about just like well this guy's having a mare but I'm not stepping in so I think generally if someone's not performing that's probably obviously on the individual but actually collectively something's not quite working out so he maybe needs a little bit of guidance and support during the game and there are, there are experienced players in that team to do that I would agree. I think collectively, especially away from home, we do need some more leadership on the pitch. We need a new team away from home. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I'm gonna. I, I think it's hard to disagree with you guys and, and giving him a four. Um, I really hope it works out for him because I actually think he he seems like a nice lad as well. Actually, in fairness, um, he seems like a good egg. So I really hope it works out for him. Um, but I guess the jury's uh, the jury about in that one. It's not all about uh, being nice guys. Is it nice guys finish last and all that kind of good stuff? The, um, the Twitter sample. I mean, there's a couple of zeros in here. I know. It I know. ranges from two to six. So two to six. So four is kind of, We're kind of in and around. Well, if you take in the zeros to do account, then we're probably around about three. Oh, there we go. Where are they there? Um, okay, let's move on into the centre of defence. Anthony Stewart signed from Wickham Wanderers on a free transfer, made club captain, which was a bit of a bold move from uh, Jim Goodwin as well. Like Kelrus, he's started every game of competitive football since he's been in the door. 21 appearances in total, one goal against Kilmarnock. He's got one assist to his name as well. And again, in terms of raw numbers, in terms of the data, Stuart stacks up pretty well against most of the other centre-halves in the league. Um, he averages 7.7 clearances per game, which is the highest in the league by a mile. I think the nearest centre defender is three, so it's nearly double what any other central defender is doing. And again, this touches on the Kel Roos thing. It's fair to say that while the numbers show something, watching Stuart can sometimes be... A hard watch. What you appear to be saying is that Scott Steiner was not telling the truth, and the, the numbers do in fact lie. <laughs> um, 
Stuart has been that's um, wonderfully niche, Gavin. I I love it. Well, I know there's I know there's folks out there that'll appreciate that kind of shit. Yeah, they will. Um, Stuart's been a model of inconsistency. <laughs> um, a throwback In a team that models inconsistency. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he embodies it. Uh, he's he's a Twice proper club captain. <laughs> he's a throwback to a time when defending was an, a a simpler game, shall we say? But um. I don't know. It's it's not so much him that I'm looking at. It's more a recruitment team of the perspective of if you want to evolve the team to match the way the football has changed and you want to be playing out from the back and all that kind of good stuff, why do you sign a player that can't play with the ball on the ground um, in this pretty integral position to playing out from the back? He's a, he's, a, he's a good defender on his day, definitely. He's a great header of the ball. He's very... He's very brave. He's very strong, but I just look at him and just think like he is so incredibly limited. It kind of almost defies belief for me when you talk about a professional footballer. And then you have to acknowledge well that we went into the season with the idea of a four-two-three-one, four-three-three system, and then within ten something games, we've then recalibrated everything completely. Yeah, mostly to cover up the inadequacies of. One player, um, principally being Anthony Stewart, which has then limited the opportunities for any one of the seven million wingers that we signed in the summer. So as as a piece of business, or piece of business, as JR would say, <laughs> I don't really know what to make of it. So with that all being said, with my rambling over, I'm going to have to go ahead and say much like Kettle Roos, 5.5? I think 5.5 is a little harsh. I take your point that, yeah, him with the ball, like not in the opposition half, just gives me the fear. So I don't want him doing any actual footballing. But him as a defender with balls into the box and stuff like that, I think he's done really rather well at that. I think he's a solid defender. I think we, if we if we want to be expansive, then it's maybe not going to happen this season. We should focus on being bit more resilient and just play the strengths of the players that we've got. So as a defender, I think he's pretty solid. I know he's had a couple of bad games who hasn't, but as a footballer, I know what you mean. There's definitely deficiency there. So I would say a seven. I'm happy enough with him. I just but I just kind of want him to be set up to do his defending. And people should be available for a short pass and then they can go and play the football. Do you think I mean Gav made an interesting point about us like looking to play in a particular way, right? But do you think that perhaps, you because know, Gav, you're looking at it from a recruitment perspective and if we want to play in a certain way, why we sign this guy? But I do wonder, and we'll touch on it with Lee later on um, on this. I wonder though if part of the thinking with Stuart was we need a defender who defends first and foremost um, because of how bad we were defensively last season. Now, I'm not saying we've improved defensively this season because you know the numbers don't lie. We're actually, I think, worse potentially at this moment in time than we were last season from a defensive perspective. I would need to double check. I think that. it depends which way you look at it. Yeah, um, I think just in pure numbers, goals conceded. I think we're worse this season than we were last <laughs> at this stage. Um, I can see Gavin looking quizzically at me in his way to go and start wheeling his abacus out. I think, but I wonder if part of the decision making here was let's get a guy who can come in and just head things clear, kick things clear from a defensive perspective is all right. And then maybe put him alongside somebody like Liam Scales, who we'll come on to in a minute, who's a bit more of a ball player. And we basically say to Stuart, just what Graham was saying, do the defensive thing, offload the ball to 
the nearest player and let them deal with that. The problem has been that certain teams have picked up on that very quickly. And United away, Tannadice was in particular the worst for this, I think, where United just sat off anybody... Oh, sorry, they, they completely blitzed anybody but Stuart when they were on the ball. Whenever Stuart had it, they just let him have it. And it was a case of try and play through us with this guy. And it was an absolute shit show. Um, and this is what obviously prompted the, the formational setup change to the three. And it's fair to say we've we've looked better, I think, in the three overall. Um, it has in a weird way, though. You know, I remember at the start of the season, I think it was, was it the Graham Hunter interview with Jim Goodwin? Where Goodwin said he'll play a four two three one or a four three three, yep. and that was him. That was his two systems. He was going into the season. That's what I'm going to play with. That's what all the recruitment's been done on. You know, Gav's right. We've signed a million and one wingers, and now we've stumbled into a formation where we don't need fucking wingers anymore. Um, and we look a bit daft from that perspective. As a captain, Anthony Stewart. I thought this was a bold move by Goodwin as well, like putting a uh, a new guy. He's also got leadership qualities. Was he captain at Wickham? Not I think he was. Um, he was, maybe. I possibly. Um, obviously has leadership qualities. It was a big call to give to take the armband off of Joe Lewis, um, who was still the de facto club captain at this point, despite the fact there was that weird thing with Scott Brown last season. Um, What's the term again? Uh, club captain? Scott Brown was like team captain? Match day captain? I don't know. Huddle captain? <laughs> um, <laughs> speedy which is anyone amazed we'd ever decided to start in a huddle last season i never thought about this at the time but now i'm like why did you decide not to bring that out i'm somewhat surprised he decided not to do it against a certain team at playing blue mm, yeah yeah anyway back to anthony stewart uh, as a captain what are your what are your thoughts it's hard to tell when you don't play in the pitch isn't it you know like i said i think there's been instances and in games especially away from home when the going's gotten tough that it just feels like there's no real communication on the pitch so from that perspective it's a little disappointing um i think you can see instances throughout the season that he is talking and being quite an encouraging presence his twitter game is is shite um oh i forgot about that game. From, when he liked uh, when he liked from, the spfl post about us getting beat for yeah that's kind of what i'm referring to um in terms of setting standards and all that um work it's three nil england by the way now just uh that's just an aside well i always said senegal were shite that's uh eesh, yikes um i should still be happy about that he will be yeah hard, cool. hard to say i mean he's Big obviously like, like you say he's obviously got qualities that have um impress the manager and um it seems like the players you know respect him yeah i, I think i can appreciate that the decision to take away from joe lewis um obviously because joe lewis isn't playing first and foremost um yeah but um yeah it was, it was a bold call at, yeah without being on the pitch with him um because he could be an absolute arse as well could be like any one of us at goals when we think that we're captain material could be worse could be gazer swimming and He's telling, very much in the Tony Adams. Bones he's not moving enough. Yeah. What was that clip Tony Adams when he was in Spain? I can't remember who he was. Yes. That, oh, like Granada. Granada, that's the one. That That's, uh, yeah. I think, just sort of round off on that, it's difficult to tell is he good or bad captain because you're not there. And I also don't know if, you know, does the captain have the same influence and do people, you know, defer to the captain the way they used to? Because, again, it goes back to that point earlier. What's he like? Just shout to people, oh, Jaden, be better. Oh yeah, okay, Tony. 
And then all of a sudden he's got a 80% cross success rate. And it was as easy as telling people it'd be better. We'd all be better. I think uh, as a position, I quite like, I think that's a logical position to have your captain because you can see the whole game sort of in front of you. So, but it's just whether he's sort of got that tactical acumen to almost, um, you know, make those changes on the pitch or be able to identify where problems are. Uh, I'm not I'm not so sure. I think he's doing a decent job overall. Bold move to make him the captain, I agree. But I think he's doing a decent job. Well, I would say is he does certainly lead from the front. If a, if a ball is there to be headed... He, he'll get his there. head in it. Yeah, that's a good point. He's a little bit like, um, a little bit Russell was in that way. You know? Yeah, I agree about that. I think that's a very fair comparison. The thing I do like about um, Stuart, I think we touched on in the, in the Hibs game as well in particular, every time a ball gets swung at our box, that's not from a corner or a set piece. For some bizarre reason, this doesn't happen. But generally speaking, in open play, <laughs> a ball gets swung at our box and it normally follows at Stuart's feet or his head just to hoof it or head it away. And that's good from a positional play perspective he clearly reads the game pretty well from that sense so um anyway Anthony Stewart I mean for me I'm, I'm gonna, gonna give him a six out of ten I think I think when he's been good he's been really good and when he's been bad he's been honking so it's like how do you balance that off I'm gonna give him a six because he scored against Kamarnik and that was quite funny because he out muscled Ash Taylor for it and hopefully that put to bed anyone who what to think about bringing Ash Taylor back to Pataudry, who I still see people talk about sometimes. Uh, that is Walsall reject Ash Taylor to you. Thank yeah. you very much. Madness. Um, um, the Twitter poll, yeah, five and a half to seven and a half. There we go. We're, we're banging them in the middle. Look at us. The, the voice of the people. Yeah. Sitting firmly on that <laughs> fence. That's why we get invited <laughs> to be on the BBC and shit like that, because, you know, talk <laughs> for the fans. Um... <laughs> Graham, you missed this last week, but I don't know if you listened to the show last week. I don't know if you, because because you're deep down in... I do catch up, up, yes. Up to your nuts in textbooks at the moment. Um, <laughs> and Andy Murray talked about this a little bit last week, and I'd never really thought about it until Andy brought it up. But the, the scudding we dished out to Kilmarnock, um, do you think that that did finally put to bed a lot of those people who still pine for Derek McInnes to come back? Do you think that was just... The final nail in that coffin and that was like that that's a bad idea guys we had good times but look how fucking awful it could be just close that door yeah i personally don't get well obviously when you look back where there's an element of sort of revisionism and you know things always look a little bit rosier in the past looking back the way but i just don't i mean he's gone so i don't fundamentally whether he was good bad or indifferent i just don't get this sort of clinging on to let's get back because where where do you where do you stop? You know, who <laughs> Alex else Ferguson, I think. Well, yeah, do you know what I mean? Um, well, I thought he did He did a decent job. You look back in hindsight, you think, well, there were maybe there were more missed opportunities than I maybe thought, so maybe things could have been a little bit better. I liked him as a manager. In all the time I've gone, that's by far and away, and this is probably just a summing up the state of our club, the most successful period. Yeah. Uh, with yeah. limited success, but in the time I've gone, it's the best period, but it, it's done now. And nothing he's done since has, to my mind, proved it to be the, the wrong decision. Good. Anyway, let's move on. Um, <laughs> Liam, maybe this will this be the last time we get to talk about Derek McInnes? What do you think? Um, I, in, I, in that sense. I have a feeling you'll bring it up at some point in the future. think so? Okay. Um, Liam Scales. Now, this is... Is it fair to say this is the most controversial bit of business we did in the summer? It, there was backlash when this was announced. Yeah. WW backlash. Used to be uh, the one after WrestleMania, didn't it? Backlash. Anyway, never mind. Um, 
I think they now I call this was a football podcast. I know I missed it for a couple of weeks, but I, I didn't realize it changed. Yeah, Graham, sorry, mate. We've changed the MO, I'm afraid. Um, <laughs> yeah, people are still out there googling what a CM Punk is. Yeah, I know who, who Tony Khan is. The Tony Khan Dave Cormack comparison from last week is probably my favorite bit that we've done on the show to date. Never mind. Um, Obviously, signed on loan uh, for the season from Celtic, where he's had little game time since he joined from Shamrock Rovers at the start of last season. Um, he's featured in 19 games in total so far. Sorry, Gav, were you? Oh, I was going to say, on loan from Celtic, which obviously means that he is ineligible to play Celtic whenever yes. we uh, come up against the the, the hoops. <laughs> the hoops. Um, as I said, he's featured in 19 games in total so far this season. He missed out in the league opener at Celtic for, let's just call it reasons, shall we? And then missed the home game against Kilmarnock after being red carded at Easter Road. Um, a proper left-footed, left-sided South defender. I just realised I walked into a trope there, but never mind. Um, <laughs> his range of passing and his ability in the ball was definitely good. Um, and... It, I think it's nice to see that we've actively gone out and tried to sign a left-sided centre-half to make that work, given the horrendous debacle we had last season watching Ross McCrory um, or David Bates attempt to play on the left-hand side of, of a back um, of a back four. Um, surprisingly, now given what we've we just touched on Anthony Stewart and about how good he is in the air, surprisingly, it's Liam Scales, who is, who's our highest-ranked player for successful aerial duels won per game, um, averages four of those per game at the moment. Um, now, putting to side for a minute, if we can, the loan issue, your thoughts on Liam Scales? I think he's been pretty solid, to be honest. I hadn't really, like I say, hadn't played a great deal. So, like, from my point of view, I hadn't really seen much of him. I, you know, I'm not like I'm watching football 24-7, like some people who would have seen every minute of every game he'd, he'd played prior to joining us. So I didn't really know much about him. Uh, I think he's done a good job. I think it is. This sounds really basic, but it's refreshing to just see a player play in his position. You know, so he is a left-sided player. So, oh, let's put him on the left rather than we're overloaded with guys who can play on the other side. And you've got to, you know shoehorn someone in, and then obviously they're you know they're not having their best games. It's not the right position. So it does give us a good balance. His range of passing is quite good. I mean, he's I'm a lot more comfortable. If he's receiving the ball, either under pressure, because he seems to be more comfortable, or if he's got time, I'm more confident that he's going to take the easy option or find a teammate if he goes if he goes long. So that's all good. I think overall, I'm happy enough with his performances. I think he's I think he has improved the team. So I think I would probably go for I don't I haven't given any any uh, half scores yet, so I'll go seven and a half. Uh, Liam Skills, I like him. I like him a lot. Um, much like Graham, I knew that he was highly rated in Ireland when when Celtic managed to get him, but I can't say I saw anything of him in a in a Celtic shirt. Um, good size, comfortable on the ball. Um, the range of passing, especially early doors, was you know creating opportunities for us to to go on and score goals. Um, I'm not surprised by that. Um, metric of how successful he's in the air because he seems like even though he's not necessarily the most physical he's quite got you know, good timing with his jump and he's quite intelligent from that perspective he seems to have like a lot of experience that would almost um defy how much game time he's actually had in in senior football i do feel that since the red card against Tibbs, his standards have dropped a little mm. bit 
Um, I don't think we've seen quite the same level of performance, um, especially with the ball, and but also in a defensive sense. And we have conceded a number of goals and been on the receiving end of some pretty dung results with uh, with Liam at the back there. Um, when he first joined, I was like, "What's what's happened here? Why, why have Celtic let this guy go? Because he looks like he's a real talent." And you can imagine in the Celtic team with the time and space they get, you know, they could save themselves a shit ton of money with this guy. Um, kind of have to start thinking it's maybe one of those cases again where it's a Celtic young player shagging the manager's daughter, and that's why he's not in the team. Um, <laughs> as has been the case in the past. Um, I think he's still. Who's that again? I'm not Pearson. Pearson, that's right. Yes, but it's also so. not Chabot Ryard. I don't know. Gav, you're now speculating wildly. Mm. I think you might want to drop an allegedly in there. I think there was yeah, speculation so. about Stephen Pearson. And, I think well, the Stephen Pearson one was probably more accurate than not. I didn't hear the Derek Ryder one, though. I could be getting Derek Ryder mixed up with another mink. Um, how have we not talked about the Lee Griffiths Paul McGowan thing, by the way? I don't know. Do you want to is, talk it about now? is it because it's an ongoing legal issue? Oh, let's just stick allegedly in front of it. It'll be fine. Yeah. Um, all I have to say is it's always the ones you least expect. Absolutely. I mean, I noticed, that the, I noticed, I, I tweeted this out at the time, but I noticed that uh, one of the games that is being investigated was uh, a game against Hearts last season that finished 0-0. Um, so I'm just going to put it out there again. If what you're telling me is that Hearts were involved in a bent game last season and that they should be stripped of all of their points and retrospectively relegated, I'm okay with that. I think that the league needs to really throw a book at this. I really do. Kind of what Lee Griffiths and Paul McGowan did that day. <laughs> Allegedly. 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 Yes, um, but yeah, when it comes to Liam Scales again, I I definitely hope that we can turn this into a into a permanent transfer. I've still got I've still got the uh, the doubt in my mind that he's done so well that Celtic might just tout him around other clubs that can throw bigger fees than us at him. But um, yeah, there's still work to be done, but all in all, a good signing. A very good signing, actually. Graham, I guess, you know, if, if we could make this a permanent deal, would you be would you be up for that? Based on what we've seen so far, yeah, I'd be quite content with that. Um, for what it's worth, I think it's unlikely, but I'd be happy if we could make it happen. Well, I was going to say, has it become more likely, though? Because Celtic have obviously signed um, Yuki Kobayashi in the, in the week, uh, who is a left-sided centre defender, which theoretically pushes scales way out of the picture now at Celtic because that puts them behind what they've got. Um, who have they got now? Starfelt, Carter Vickers. Oh, obviously, Starfelt's injured, but um, Carter Vickers, the boy Jens. Mm-hmm. Um, Stephen Welsh was probably yep. ahead of scales in the pecking order. I know, Graham. I know. Graham's just like bemused by that one. Um, and now Kobayashi's coming in as well. So that pushes scales way down the pecking order at, at Celtic Park. So... I wonder if there might be an opportunity for us to do a little bit of business. I just think we won't be able to afford the fee that Smeltic will want. You'll be getting paid more. There. You've actually just said Smeltic. So I have just said Smeltic. But they'll 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 put him out on loan where he'll still pick up his Celtic wages or they will sell him for a fee that we can't afford. That's pretty pessimistic, but that's my take on it. I can't imagine we could get a contract together that would match his wages, let alone find the money that Celtic will want. If I'm proven wrong and he does sign, then I would say that's going to be a pretty good bit of business, but I just think that's going to be a step too far. 
yeah, th- there's obviously no terms within the loan agreement of a fee in uh, yeah. in mind that could be agreed upon. Um, so I tend to agree with Graham that if it goes to market, then we'll just be blown out of the water, and Liam Scales will be a, a distant a distant memory. Dave Cormack should be on the phone to Peter Law. will ask him if he wants to talk turkey, brother. <laughs> uh, Gav didn't. Gav didn't give us a score out of ten there. I don't think. Liam Scales. Um, I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say seven and a half. Ooh, two sevens and a half. There we go. Uh, I'm gonna say. I, I'm actually gonna say the same. I'm gonna go seven and a half as well. I think if he, if he'd kept up the form that we saw really early season, I would have probably gone an eight or a nine actually, because I thought he was looking very, very good. There's still the whole issue with the fact that as a lone player from Celtic, obviously we can't play him against them it's going to be interesting to see what we do now against Celtic in the first game back and we'll touch on this next week in the preview because now we've moved to three we literally don't have any other centre half at the club to push into that left-sided centre half area unless we decide to actually give Jack Milne a go which given he's not played very much this season it's always a tall tall ask for the young man to come in uh, against Celtic in the first game but we'll see what happens on that one we, we'll touch on this in the preview next week I guess but um, seven and a half I think is fair for, for Liam Scales let's move on we've talked enough about Liam Scales Hayden Coulson signed on loan from Middlesbrough on a one year loan uh, made his debut in the league opener at Celtic Park he's gone on to make 13 appearances in total across all competitions scored in the home win against Park at this in the league cup had a massive hand in the uh, in one of the other goals as well that night and I think we've said it before in the show, but it's probably worth repeating. I think at the time, probably the signing that was the most underwhelming out of all of our summer business. Um, I think we probably all looked at it at the same time as being a loan from English second tier. We've seen how this has gone before. When we've spoken to Borough fans, you know, when we spoke to, uh, for life of me, I can't remember his name now. Um, it wasn't from- Colin, was it? I think it might have been Colin, that's right, from the, the Borough podcast. You know, it was a very lukewarm feeling, is probably yeah. the best way to put it. He's got one assist to his name in the league. It's fair to say he's really added some attacking threat down our left flank. Defensively, I think in the main, he's been okay, except for the first 45 minutes at Tanadice. Um, kept Martin Boyle relatively quiet. Easter Road while he was on, I thought. I thought he did a good job there. Biggest issue with, with Hayden Coulson seems to be getting him to last 90 minutes and then keeping him fit, I think. But, gents, your your thoughts on on Hayden Coulson? Yeah, when, when we got him in, because he was one of the one of the final bits of business. Yes, he was, yeah. From uh, from recollection. And like you say, yeah, you look at it, he's like 23, 24. So, you know, still young, but not um, not young. You expect him to have some some real game time under his belt. And he didn't, really, young have, buck. didn't really have... Nice... Didn't really have any of that. Um, I think a couple of pretty unsuccessful loan spells, injury records. Um, yeah, it's, I think, to Steel Games chat, it's, um, it's that Grand Theft Auto meme of, oh, shit, here we go again. And it's amazing yeah. how, many, how much mileage we get with that meme supporting Aberdeen, isn't it? <laughs> Absolutely. And yeah, the Middlesbrough fan we chatted to, he didn't sound... I think he said that Hayden has some talent, but putting all together, that could be... Um, difficult and he's like completely out of the picture at uh, Middlesbrough and it was a pretty big loan spell for him coming up here I've liked him I've liked him a lot he's, he's really impressed me um he's quick he's got really quick feet um he can beat a man he's been really dangerous going forward and yeah um when you see all that you start to think okay well this is clearly a case of a winger who's maybe not been quite good enough to be a winger so then they've turned him into a fullback 
and we'll see what happens there. Um, defensively, I think he's been pretty solid. Um, he's come in, I think the disappointing thing is, as you're right, it's the fact that he's we've had to manage his game time so much and sometimes he gets going and then it's an injury or it's we're playing on a plastic pitch so we're not uh, willing to put him into that game which then compromises the team because uh, I think we have our alternative is um, is a marked downgrade from Hayden. Um, yeah, he's been he's been really good, and he's another one that if the opportunity were to arise, then I'd be if Aberdeen pronounced in January on January first that we've signed Hayden Colson to a pre-contract, I'd be more than fine with that. Yeah, I think in general I've quite enjoyed him. He's yeah, he's kind of got all the attributes, isn't he? He's, you know, he's quite quick. He's actually better as a footballer than I expected. He's way better on the ball than I thought he was going to be. Yeah. Way better. So that, uh, you know, it's not like, obviously the pace is useful, but there's a couple of times where he's actually combined his pace with a bit of skill to get past someone. And I can't remember what game it was. Was it maybe Killy? He basically just, you know, bit of yes. skill, charging into the box, and then obviously yes. no one can touch him. So he's um, he's not one-dimensional. There's a little bit more to him than I expected. So, yeah, I've quite enjoyed him. Just that concern over fitness and when do we will we see him up to speed and get 90 minutes or will he have gone by that time so I'm enjoying him so far but I'm not so sure he'll hang around with the ball at his feet he's trying to think of someone who's like who's um, had similar kind of technique and the only one I can think of is at Ghana McKay Stephen had pretty good feet with the ball but Hayden Coulson's putting it together on a more consistent basis than, than Ghana McKay Stephen did so that's absolutely not unfair, I don't think. That's that's a fair shout, Gav. And I, I liked Gary McCastephen, but yeah, he was pretty inconsistent. Um, no doubt about it. Hayden, yeah, he's he's surprised me and he's pleasantly surprised me with how good he's been. Do you think he's better at swimming in the River Kelvin than Gary McCastephen? No, you've got to give Gary McCastephen props for that. Okay, excellent. Good stuff. Out of 10 for uh, Hayden Coulson. I'm going to go on 10 and say, yeah, seven and a half. Seven and a half. If it would be more, I'd be giving him more marks. But yeah, the injuries, the inability to last 90 minutes, that's going to hold him back. Uh, that's exactly what I was going to say. That's why I'm in the same boat. I'm going to go seven. Um, he would have been a bit higher, but that first half performance at Tannadice was absolutely atrocious. So for that alone, um, he's getting a half mark taken off him. Uh, seven for me, for Hayden Coulson. But I, I don't disagree with a lot of what you guys have said. And if we were to uh, agree to take him from Middlesbrough on a pre-contract or even just sign him in January for a nominal fee, I'd be... I'd be fine with that. I think that there might be some, uh, there might be a deal to be done there. To be fair, because he's he's had loans in England and they haven't gone very well, which does mean I think that English teams might be a bit reluctant to take him um, at this moment in time. So it maybe plays well for us if he if we say to him, "Look, we'll sign you a two year deal, you know, from the summer, come and play consistent football. If in eighteen months or whatever you get a opportunity to move down south, we're not going to stand in your way, but you know, um, you can come and do a job for us." I think he's probably better than. I can't think of a left back in the country at the moment um, who would be an achievable signing for us that I'd rather have. So um, unless the scouting team have, have, have already been looking and casting their net across uh, across Europe and further afield potentially to, for an alternative, then I'd be okay with Hayden Coulson on a, a sensible deal um, from Middlesbrough, which I don't think would be too difficult to work with. Anyway, um, let's move on up into the midfield. Uh, Ilber... Ramadani, our first ever Albanian international, signed on the 8th of June. 
for an undisclosed fee from MTK Budapest made his debut a day after his arrival in the country in the League Cup group stage game against Dumbarton has started every game that he's been available for he's played the full 90 in each game except for Dungeon United away where he was subbed with 10 minutes to go I had to look that up because we'd already left by that time Gavin <laughs> um, got his first goal for the club in the 4-1 win over Hibs at Pataudry fast making himself a favourite amongst the Aberdeen support a delightful through ball to Duke for the opening goal against Hearts, his only assist of the campaign to date. But I think so far he's proved to be a more than adequate replacement for Lewis Ferguson. A high percentage of accurate passing is certainly helping here. 84% pass success rate in the league. He's 10th in the league for that and 10th in the league for interceptions on 25 for the season so far. So from my perspective so far, so good from Ilber Ramadani, uh, Graham, and then Gavin, I'm... I'm Interested to hear your thoughts because Gav is a little bit dubious still. I'll go first. I, I like him. I'm enjoying watching him. I think he has, in the main, been a decent signing. Uh, I think he's, well, I suppose, like any player these days, he's he's athletic, he gets about the pitch. But I think he's quite good at sort of knowing when to fill in and cover for someone who's maybe, you know, gone on if we're a little bit exposed, seems to have that tactical piece around him. And I just, he's quite good because he's not just sort of running around like a headless chicken flying into tackles and picking up bookings. He's making tackles when he should be making tackles. Or sometimes the fact that he's back just forces his, op- you know, the opposition to slow down, check, play the ball to the side or back. And that that's what you need. You don't necessarily need to be crunching into tackles and winning the ball. Just, Stopping the opposition from playing um, is another way to do it. So I think he's been good. It's good to see him get his goal. He's technically, I think he's sound. He's quick enough. Um, I think I think he's done really rather well considering you know new country, team, all the rest of it on the life outside of football side. Never mind just new players. I don't even know you know what his English is like in terms of can he how well does he communicate. With players, or you know, flip side, who's got decent Albanian who can t- who can chat to him? I, I assume it's probably excellent. His English looks pretty decent, to be fair. So yeah. I mean, I think he's, he's got he's had a lot. I imagine he's probably got quite a lot going on just to get to grips with the team and the players, etc. And you wouldn't, I don't really think you'd really notice. You'd, you'd just have kind of assume watching him that he'd been playing in the UK before he arrived at Aberdeen. You wouldn't. I don't think people would say, "Oh, what do you mean? This is his first season in the UK." I don't think it's obvious. So I think he's done really well. I, I like him. Like all the players, there's room for improvement. And like all the players, unfortunately, more so away from home, they seem to be prone to having a bit of a mare. But in general, I like him. And I think your point around Lewis Ferguson, Ferguson seems to be a little underrated and a little divisive between the fan base. But I thought he was decent. I thought he'd be difficult to replace. I'm not necessarily saying Ramon is better, but I think he's doing a decent job of kind of making me forget that Lewis Ferguson's gone. Um, I mean, yeah, when you talk about Ilber acclimatising to Aberdeen and the new setup, and you think that he basically landed on that plane, felt like they told him to bring his boots because he was basically off the plane and straight into the action. And yeah, he's early doors, um, you know, in those League Cup games and the initial games, very, very impressive. Um, I think comparing him to Lewis Ferguson's a bit of a reach. I'd say he's doing more of the job that we hoped Ojo or Dylan McGeeck could do. Um, or what our ex number 22 
used to do for us back in the day. Well, that's an, yeah. I guess I'm only really picking Ferguson because I thought Ferguson did all of that work as well, and maybe had more of an attacking threat. Yeah. It doesn't it doesn't feel like we're getting steamrolled in midfield because Ferguson was pretty tenacious. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, so th- that's more. I agree. He doesn't have the the same threat, but he does the. He's not, yeah, the he's not as work just as all well. action as Lewis Ferguson was. No, yeah. no, no. Um, but you know, he's, like I say, he's, he's got a good, good reading of the game, breaks play up. You know, seems to know where to be. Um, in most instances, all good. Um, seems like a really good egg. Um, obviously been identified as a leader by Jim Goodwin. I think he took the armband in one of the final matches. He did, yeah, definitely, definitely a really good piece of business. Um surprising how well he's come in from let's be fair a terrible uh budapest side that also got relegated which uh, i don't know there's maybe a chat about levels there to be had uh i i do definitely think that tanadice was a pretty shocking performance from ilba ramadani it was bad from everyone but i just can't get the image of craig sybold running over him out of my mind and i do feel that since then his standards like scales have dropped there's been instances where he's not playing with that kind of calm head but he's just desperate to get rid of it or he's going into challenges and he's sort of half winning it but the opposition player always comes away with it i do feel he's i I feel a little bit for him in the sense i think he's suffering a touch from the change in formation i think think it's not easy for him in that setup i think there's probably merit to that um what i would also like to see from him on that kind of note though is that if he's been identified as a leader, I think he needs to do more on the pitch in terms of talking to Connor Bannon and Leighton Clarkson mm-hmm. with what they need to do. Um, these guys, they've not got to where, where they are by by not listening to their teammates or their coaches. I just don't get the impression they're being really instructed properly. And Ilber is the most experienced player in that section of the pitch. I think he needs to do more to, you know, when, when things are tough, just like, okay, glad like, I know you want to do this and you want to do that, but we need you here right now when we just see this phase out play out um especially on the road it's been concerning um yeah like i said i definitely been impressed with him overall um i do think though that he has suffered a little bit and yeah the standards have dropped but hopefully with this break and a little bit of time on the training pitch we'll uh, we'll see him reach the standards he was at pre-tanadis yeah, I think maybe the breaks come at a good time for Ramadani as well, actually, because you were kind of right, Gav, in the sense that he basically came off the plane, had a day of training, was straight in against Dumbarton, played the full 90, which I think everyone was surprised about and hasn't really looked back since. You know, he's predominantly played his football as well in, you know, um, um, obviously Denmark previous to Hungary and then a couple of seasons in Hungary. You know, continental football, as we all know, generally is not quite as frantic as... Scottish football, you know, let's put it, let's put it that way. Um, I would imagine it's a bit of a culture shock coming in to play seventh field in Scottish football if you've never played it before, just to find you've just got nowhere near the level of time, I think, that you would get anywhere else. And I actually think that's been almost the most impressive thing from Ramadan is that he's never really looked there's been ex- there's been there's been times like Motherwell at home, um, United away, where he's looked a bit like a deer in the head in the headlights to an extent. But other than that, he's been relatively comfortable, I think, in what he's been doing. Um I take I think Graham's point's actually quite an interesting one. I think the the, the point about Lewis Ferguson's maybe slightly mis misguided. I'm not saying they're the same sort of player, but they're playing in the same area of the park as they were. And I think that have we missed Lewis Ferguson this season? You know, realistically. 
probably not. All of our metrics in terms of going forward have been excellent. We're not missing his goals. Um, a lot of them came from the penalty spot, obviously, so they've been chipped in at Miofsky's pile, and I will come on Miofsky in a minute. Have we missed Lewis Ferguson as much as we maybe all thought we would? Don't get me wrong, Lewis Ferguson is a, is a very, very good footballer. I, I, For the life of me, I don't get Aberdeen fans who refuse to look past who his family are and just say, you know what, he was a really, really good bit of business by us. But in real terms, for the money we received from Bologna versus what we put out to MTK Budapest for Ramadani, have we really missed Ferguson? I'm, um, I'm not convinced we have. Although there's an argument there to say you put Ferguson into this team I don't think we've missed him the way I thought we would. He was he was a good player. Yeah. Uh, so I thought we were going to struggle to find someone like him. And obviously we did the first time. There aren't that many out there that don't get snapped up by the bigger clubs. Yeah. So it's unlikely we were going to go and repeat that deal by finding someone at Hamilton, getting for a small amount and, you know, playing for a couple of years and, and make some cash. So, uh, no, we're not missing him the way I thought we would do, and that is a testament to Ramadani rather than a dig at Ferguson. Um, I I would counter that. I don't think we suffer some of the results we would we have incurred if Lewis Ferguson is around instead of not necessarily Ramadani, but if we have Lewis Ferguson in there with Ramadani and Connor Barron, I don't think we're getting run over the way we do, we do at Tannadice or Easter Road or even at um at the Motorola, the Tony Mac, whatever it's called whatever it's been called in the past. The stadium formerly known as Almondville. Um, but yeah, as far as... Yeah, we've not suffered. I think we've replaced him pretty well with with both Ramadani and I assume the gentleman we're going to talk about next. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay, um, quickly, we never got scores in the doors from you boys there for Ramadani. I'll go seven and a half because I'm miserable. <laughs> I concur. Seven and a half for Graham, uh, Gavin and Graham. I'm going to go eight. I love him. I really, I, I just, I, I love him. It's as simple as that. I'll look past all of his faults. I was delighted for him to get his first goal of the season. That the red shed as well. He loves being here, and I think that goes so, it goes such a long way when you actually see guys who genuinely appear to actually love being at the club as well. So, um, yeah, but you know, early doors jet implied that he liked being here. We'll see what Ramadan's reaction are when it starts snowing. Okay, fair enough. I don't think it's gonna be a massive problem for him to be honest, but never mind. Um. Anyway, let's move on. Next player, Leighton Clarkson. So signed on loan for the season from Liverpool, straight onto the bench. The same afternoon after his international clearance was granted, came off the bench after 12 minutes against St Mirren after an injury to Hayden Coulson, announced his arrival in some style by blazing a shot, high, wide, and not so very handsome, and then repeated that a minute later, but this time a thunder bastard in the top corner to make it 3-0 on half time. Followed us up with a winner at St Johnston with another absolute beauty, before following up with goals against Annan in the Cup and then a ludicrously audacious back heel against Hibs that made Ryan Porteous look like a total dick in the 4-1 win at Pataudry. 13 appearances in total, four goals to boot. I think a lot of us were pretty sceptical about another lone player from the English Premier League coming in, um, especially given some of our more recent history in this market. I'm not looking at anyone in particular. Um... Matty Longstaff but Clarkson's definitely got something about him hasn't he yeah he's a footballer unlike Matty Longstaff <laughs> <laughs> seriously fuck that guy um, and yeah in the cold light of day Teddy Jenks wasn't great either he wasn't was he um, is that not part of the like we're all conditioned to just believe the hype oh he's on the books of English Premier League 
I don't think us your condition no, to be that. It's a generalization. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. I feel like it's a generalization that um, it's always coming from the Premier League, so he's got to be great. Yeah. And yes, some of them have been excellent. You know, Madison was very good and has proved to be very good. But was Clarkson Madison that good, really? Right. In, as a footballer, he was excellent. You could, as a footballer, he was unbelievable. But as a as a player in the team, what in the Aberdeen team? Yeah, yeah. Uh, at times. He caused us problems because he was lazy. Yeah. In my opinion. But it is just nice to watch someone do some of the stuff he could do with the football. So he was, I guess my point is we've we've all seen not necessarily just Aberdeen in the league, guys come up from England and they're not they're just not that good. Yeah. Yeah. Not that they don't contribute, they're just actually technically they're not really any better than anything that uh, is already in the league. Whereas I thought Madison was better. Technically, he had something that players don't have, and as a hadn't footballer, learned to put it together yet. As a yeah. no, player, had he? that's no, the thing. He he hadn't, and I, you know, that's fortunately where we find ourselves in the food chain. You're not going to get the guy that can put it together because he'd be playing in the team uh, down there. But Clarkson's got the the technical side. It's just whether he can mix it when he kind of has to, or, or can we find a way to almost shelter him a bit such that we you know he can always just focus on using his ability because players who can do some of the stuff that he can do you know that that might make the difference in a match you don't really want him necessarily getting it stuck in the battle as such you you want him to be free to pick a pass or take a shot or whatever it may be you ask big old racist Malky Mackay if he can mix it or not <laughs> hey, that's um, true he's, he's a thug isn't he I think uh, no, Malky McKay's a grass and a racist <laughs> and everything else. Yeah, and everything um, else. Go back to Madison for a second. I think you could tell that a lot of the tools were he had everything was there for James Madison to go and be a, a real player, um, which he's proven to be. Um, I'm kind of grateful he wasn't a team player at that point because if he had been a team player, he would have passed the ball rather than not make three Kilmarnock players in a row, and that's the kind of shit that I live for. Yeah, well, that's kind of my point. He didn't always play for the team, and he was lazy. But you love seeing stuff like three separate guys getting megged in a row, and then uh, inevitably the reducer comes in, and that's <laughs> the end of that. But it was, you know, some of the stuff he did with the football was just so good to watch. Well, Leighton Clarkson, um, I suspect this was not a situation where you expected him to be playing with Conor Barron in midfield no. every week um i think on paper in the scottish league especially you wouldn't look at two guys like that with the kind of physicality they have and think that's going to be a a winning formula as such um when glayton clarkson came on against um st Minnan for his debut i thought instantly you could tell this guy had something about him um his range of passing is is pretty incredible um his technique his touch is exquisite um as we found out he can hit a thunder bastard like no one else. And he's come up with some some big moments. Obviously, St. Johnston, that free kick that none of us quite knew he had in his locker is is sensational. The the goal against Hibbs is great innovation. I've got I get the impression that Leighton Clarkson is going to have a big future in football. Maybe not necessarily even in the UK. I could see him going on the continent and becoming like a, a top yeah, top top player in the way the as way. Uh, as Jamie Redknapp might say. Top top player. Top, 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 top player um but yeah there are those and i th- i do think Leighton clarkson's like 
it's not a case of like Madison where he doesn't want to do the the defensive shift side of the game. I think Leighton Clarkson is, you know, he's industrious. He does certainly try, but obviously he's not got the experience to maybe necessarily know the best way to go about pressing or uh, taking up a defensive role, um, which will come with time. Um, I've been impressed. He is definitely, uh, Graham's right. We've we've suffered and we've suffered enough Jeffrey Monacanas to know that the English top flight is not quite all it's cracked up to be. Uh, but yeah, we've not had our fingers burned quite so badly this time. Um, I've, I've really liked Leighton Clarkson. Any concerns at all, though, but just when teams try to really make it a bit of a battle in the centre of the park. We saw it at Motherwell. Um, we saw it at Livingston as well. The kind of midfield as a whole kind of went missing. I, I'm not just pointing the finger at Clarkson, by the way, I should add. Um, but between him, I mean, being honest, him, Ramadani and Barron, they're not it's not a big imposing midfield that we have there. Um, I do have a little concern, a nagging concern in the back of my head about when teams do just try and make it overly physical in the middle of the park. I think if we get the ball, then we play, we can play around teams and we can, you know, with no date, no problem at all, basically because of those three. Um, but I do have a concern just a little bit when teams do try to make it physical in the center of the park. I think that's, there's definitely, yeah, there's definitely a validity to that point, and I think that could be something we address. Something I kind of hope we address actually in January, uh, if we can maybe just go out and, especially maybe on the road when teams are going to be a little bit more aggressive against us, having someone with yeah more presence, and take one of Barron or Clarkson out of the firing line, and you can always bring them on as impact substitutes later on in the game. Um, yeah, we, we've we've seen it. The the evidence is there that um, when teams make it physical. We haven't really stood up to it well enough. On the whole, though, um, marks at a 10 for Leighton Clarkson. Seven. I'm going to go for seven and a half. I've generally speaking, I like what I have seen. I would just like, I think for uh, for someone who looks to be that good with the ball, I'd, li- I'd just like to see a little bit more from him, whether that's through goals or creating chances. I think there's more that we could, there's more that he could do based on his ability. I'm going to give him seven and a half as well. I think he's done on the whole very, very well. Um, it's hard to just look past those three goals in particular, the, the St. Men and the St. Johnson and the Hibs goals. Um, a marked improvement on some of our recent business anyway, that's for sure, out of the English uh, Premier League under 23. Uh, I'm going to make squads. a bold prediction that Leighton Clarkson next season will not be playing for either Crawley Town or Colchester United. Matty Longstaff is even playing for Colchester United, so sucks is, to be him. Is, is Teddy Jenks playing for Crawley Town? Let's let's have a wee look. Let's have a look. Crawley all the way down there in League Two. Got subbed off after eight minutes yesterday, so I presume he was injured, um, or he was really bad, or <laughs> really bad. Um, How bad you have to be to get subbed off after eight minutes? <laughs> he started tw- seven games for Crawley this season, out of twenty. So, um, I don't, I'm not going to pretend that I'm up to date with all things English League 2, but I don't think Crawley are very good. Uh, they're 19th out of 24 at the moment. So, your assessment is correct. Yeah, they are, um, pretty shit, it turns out. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> let's move on, shall we? Cal Roberts, it's hard to judge this guy, isn't it? It's signed from Notts County. Um, we've seen extremely little of him um, came off the bench to get Celtic on the opening day of the season for his debut came off the bench against St Mirren for somebody can't remember who it was was forced off injured just 15 minutes later 
We've not seen him since. Uh, Travelled to Atlanta, though, during the World Cup break. Seems to be getting closer towards fitness. But injury is something that's plagued him right the way through his career. We, If you look back at our chat with Paul Mace, all the way back in episode 53.95, huh, just young pups, where it was clear um, that Cal Roberts was a player with talent but had to get injury issues put behind him and it looked as though he had. He'd played consistently for Notts County last season. Has anyone got anything to say about Cal Roberts? Nope. On Twitter, the general consensus was not applicable for a rating. Yeah, on account of um, basically he's not played. Um, I do I do look forward to seeing what he can bring to the table. It does sound like he's a little bit different from the rest of our wingers. Um, he's more of a how is he getting the team through? <laughs> well, that's also an issue. Um, to be addressed when he does hit match fitness, and that's also the problem with you know having no reserve footballer like that. Like, how does he actually go about building up his match fitness so that he's ready yeah. to come in? And we don't we're always just... struggling on a Thursday. I don't know if you want you boys wants to at him. <laughs> Cal Roberts, you are more than welcome, yes. But you'll have to put him in Gary's team so Gary doesn't back heel tackle him and injure him. Or just needlessly oh. put him into the boards. But then put him into Gazer's team and watch as Gazer tells him he's not moving out of space <sighs> enough. And Graham, that implies that Gary ever makes contact with his back heel tackles. Well, I think it happened just one time. Wait, which one of you was at a tackle with a back heel tackle? I think it was Gav this neither, season. Neither of us. I think it was you because there was a lot of swearing I heard going on after it happened. I think it was Gav. Yeah. Might have been Dale. Yeah. But I think back heel is um, not quite an accurate description of your technique there. Anyway, Cal Roberts. Um, yeah. Like I said, I'm looking, he, the Notts County fans were very effusive about him when he, when he left for us. I do look forward to seeing not what he can bring. Not effusive because he was leaving for us, we should say. No, because of his contributions to Notts County. Yes, of yes. course. Thank um, <laughs> fuck he's gone. <laughs> uh, David Bates all over again. Um, yeah, like I said, I look forward to seeing what he can do, but I just I struggle with how are we not just going to end up with a repeat of what's happened, given that he's going to have no game time at all before he comes back in the team. And as you say, the system we're currently playing, a wide player is... Not necessary, not required. Not required. So um, it's it's going to be interesting. But yeah, I, I, like everyone, I can't rate Cal Roberts for his contribution because he's not been able to make one. Yeah, Graham, I've just spotted in your background. Um, is that the Niall McGinn shirt you paid for? <laughs> I think. No, it's yes. the Niall McGinn shirt that he won. You won? She, she doesn't listen, so it's fine. It's, yeah, fine. it's the one yeah. I paid for. Cool. It's not up on the wall anywhere yet. It's just there. Uh, no, because... <laughs> My little room here already has a couple. Ah, okay. And is the Kenny McLean one one of them? Yes, and another signed Aberdeen one. And I didn't win the argument around where I wanted to install the McGinn one. So I uh, have a plan, but again, I've not formulated it yet. Uh, I've not requested much. <laughs> Planning like permission a, yet? Much like Aberdeen's new stadium, planning permission has not yet been approved. Yes, and no, no budget has been confirmed either. <laughs> we probably need to like let this one out. Like, the three of us a uh, couple of seasons ago went out to see. So, so anyone who listens to the show um, regularly will know that Norwich City is the the team of choice for the three of us in uh, down down south, and. Um, we're fortunate enough to catch up with Kenny McLean when we were down there, and Kenny kindly signed a few Norwich shirts for us, which were nice. We got them all framed and everything, and, and they're um, in our respective houses. And there was um, 
much fear amongst the three of us when recently he was linked with a move to a certain team in Glasgow about what we would possibly do with him. But then obviously Kenny's now done the right thing and signed an extended deal with Norris. It's fine, so we can keep those shirts up and don't have to stick them on the bonfire. And as a complete side note as well, um, the ABZ football podcast are now the proud owners of an exclusive piece of memorabilia. That's right, a match-issued shirt uh, belonging to the one and only Dan Smith. Which... Uh, Gav, if you could just insert a pause here while everyone Googles who the hell Dan Smith is. <laughs> he is another fine representative of the Gateshead area. True. Oh, yes, of course. But that was actually quite a nice. I didn't even mean it to happen that way. How much had you had to drink before you thought, I'll bid on that? And how angry were you were when your bid won? And please uh, tell me, third question, please tell me your bid was not significant. Oh, no, no. I Like, I, I hadn't been drinking. I thought it was absolutely hilarious to own that piece of Aberdeen. That's technology. rare. That is Probably rare. rare. Um, and it costs less than £20, I think, so. That's still quite steep. It is a bit steep. But to have, but to have <laughs> well, a actually, ma- you say that, actually. If you you can't get a football shirt for twenty quid, so no, exactly. If I look at that, it's good value. It's it's the for anyone who's interested online. It's the uh, third kit we had in. It's the year we went to go to Madrid. It's the year we went to Madrid. That's right. The, the half, half black kit. and gold, the bumblebee yeah. kit. Um, okay, half and half. So I reckon one of them on eBay would probably cost you twenty quid anyway, if it was there. Maybe fifteen. But this is a Dan Smith match issue. It's got the badges. It's got the. Clydesdale, Clydesdale Bank Premier League badges. D. Dot Smith. Did we have another? Did we have another Smith? In the, uh, oh, Jamie, Jamie Smith. About yeah. Jamie Smith would have been about um, a, a fascinating piece of Aberdeen memorabilia, right there. Yes, and now um, we need to decide what we're going to do with it. Uh, I have a plan for what we're going to do with it. Um, more details on that to come later. I don't think we can raffle that off. I am in favour of it just becoming our like equivalent of like our dunce cap at fives. That's one way of looking at it, right? We could make it a dunce cap at fives, so whoever's been terrible. <laughs> but then, it's a shame. Gaze is going to have to wear it every week, and it's short-sleeved. <laughs> like, that's, that's harsh. Um, anyway, will we move on? Shaden Morris, much trailed for parts of the summer, and it appeared to have cooled off completely when Cal Roberts signed. And then he was suddenly back on, and we announced he'd signed a four-year deal. Uh, after we'd paid an undisclosed fee. Graham's just made that grimacing face right now about that. Uh, after we'd paid an undisclosed fee for him from Fleetwood. It was rumoured to be about £200,000-£300,000 at the time, so not an insignificant sum of cash. Nine appearances in red so far. The absolute majority of those have the bench. Yeah. His only start in the league... His only start sort of came in the League Cup second round at Annan when he was hooked after 45 minutes. Graham was there that night, which might be why he was making that face. On one hand, it feels hard to judge him based on the fleeting moments we've seen. You say that. But um, I had almost like palpitations hit me when I was <laughs> editing your chat with the Fleetwood fan that we talked to about Shaden Morris. Oh, yeah. And I believe he said... I don't know the exact quote, but it was worse to the effect of if you give him about three, four years time to develop, he might become a player. Yeah, I know. know. Which effectively is the length of the contract that he has at Aberdeen. So that's how long it might take. Um, (laughs) Deeply unimpressed with anything I've seen from him to date. Um, Given, as you say, he is one of the players that we did spend cash money on. I thought he would be much more in the manager's thinking. Almost, you know, a preferred option in the team and he's just not made any impact whatsoever and when he has been on I've I've not seen anything 
that gives me much in the way of hope that this is going to be a, a big time Aberdeen player. And more importantly, big you know, time, <laughs> big time Shane Morris, big time um, Shane Morris, big time. More, but more importantly, I look at things and you know how many wingers do I have to go down the list before I get to a point where Shane Morris is next in the in the pecking yeah. order because. You know, the the Johnny Hayes, the Ryan Duncans, the Matty Kennedys, the Graham Steele. Maybe not Bajowin. He's been fragments this year. He does have a 100% tackles one ratio. Excellent. Start him. Well, so we're playing him in the wrong position. That's what you're telling me. (laughs) Just (laughs) throwing out there. Three Um, out of three. Actually, I feel we've got much better options. And given the fee that we've paid for him and the length of the contract, versus what we've seen so far this is the one for me like graham talking about jane richardson this is the one where i'm thinking well we're either gonna be lumbered with him for a while or we're gonna have to pay him off with a pretty chunky pretty chunky sack of cash with a dollar sign on it yeah either that or his wikipedia entry is going to be like aberdeen four years but just a whole bunch of loans yeah below it uh, which steadily get worse yes yes yeah I... But like Jet, really. Like Jet's Wikipedia is amazing. It just like starts <laughs> at the pinnacle and then just like... And then, yeah, yeah it was us, the fucking idiots, that were like, yeah, fuck the yes. trend. Yeah. Give him yeah. a shot up the up the, up the the league for once. Less said about I was Jet worried about where you were going with that. <laughs> so was I. <laughs> what did I say? You said give him a shot up the... I thought you were going to go down that story about the warlord. <laughs> Give him a buckshot. <laughs> Lariat. Anyway, um, Shaden Morris. Sorry. Not seen a great deal of him, obviously, because he's not played much. and not Runs really, like, like Raheem Sterling. That's the only Not like anything I've seen. So, <laughs> Not like anything I've seen is an amazing <sighs> description. Yeah, he's he's offered nothing in the games. I, I know it's a really, really small sample size, so I'm absolutely not saying he's... How bad was he at anything, but How bad was he at Annan? He wasn't... I don't... He wasn't very good, but in his defence, nobody was really tearing it up in right. that game, so it's not like he's the only one. Um, yeah, to cut long story short, I don't really think I could give him... It's difficult to really judge him because he's hardly played. It's but I have concerns it's, about... It's not applicable for me as well. I think not applicable, although he's the probably the biggest one that you feel like <laughs> Gavin's giving me a two, paid think. off two. Wow. Two. <laughs> two. I would say not applicable if it was the situation of Cal Roberts, but Shade Morse has been by and large available and not been able to make any uh, impression on the team. And yeah, like Graham said, um I he played against Motherwell at home when we lost and he was not very good at all. Did he start or did he come off the bench? I can't recall. I think he came off the bench. He, he signed that week, I think. Um, well, he he signed and then he... Was he not... I think he signed before... There was a game he signed and then he was unavailable for whatever reason. Then I think he came Did in... He, he signed before we played St. Mirren, I think. And he couldn't yeah. play against St. Mirren. And then he, he came off the bench as well, I think. Yeah, poss- possibly, but... Um, anyway, Gavin's giving me a two. What I've seen is very, very poor. And I, I, it comes down to like the piece of recruitment on its own. He's like, he's not better than what we already had at the club. I'm going to give him a not applicable because I also don't think, I, th- I think I can only have seen him for about five minutes, like physically in person this season. I don't think I've seen him for much more than that. So I feel it's hard to to really give him any sort of grade. What I have seen has not been great. 
he runs like Raheem Sterling, but I think that's where the comparison begins and ends at the moment. Much like Jade Richardson, there are one or two zeros in the Twitter rankings okay. of Shaden Morris. Okay, um, I'm going to move on. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go not applicable because I don't feel like I can really do it justice. Um, he's got a lot to prove, I think it's fair to say, especially because a four-year deal. When I, when I was looking back at it today and I was like, four-year deal? And we paid, like, we paid three Tommy Wrights for him. The more I think about it, do you think this was some sort of convoluted part of uh, Scott Brown's severance package? Yeah, Scott Brown didn't take a penny out of Aberdeen, but he took a penny or two out of Aberdeen, if you know what I mean. Wink, wink. <laughs> that's what I'm. That's what I'm wondering if this is some sort of, uh, yeah, wheeling and dealing, some um, sort of real like lawn game. <laughs> Dave Cormack thought he was playing a real long game, right? Yeah, sure, Scott. Okay, cool. You don't take a, a severance package, and yeah, we'll agree to sign a player from you for a vastly inflated transfer when you first get a job. No problem. No bother. Oh, shit. And we'll even throw in Michael Devlin. <laughs> oh, God, I'd forgotten about that. Who are Mikey Devlin? Um, let's have a look and see what's happened to him. I can probably guess. He came off the bench for Fleetwood after signing for them, and he left the pitch, like, literally five minutes later, injured. Um, and I don't think he's been seen since. Yeah, I think there's a guy who just can't catch a break. I think the term is tatties. I think, given yeah, I don't, I can't remember what was wrong with him, at Aberdeen, but just the time he was. I'm talking out. at my arse. Sorry, actually, he played. Yeah, he played against Barnsley, played 90 minutes, and then played against Burton Albion. This is on the fourth of October. Played against Burton Albion, played for 58 minutes, and then got hooked with an injury, and he hasn't played a game since. Um, even just like from. Oh no, sorry, he came on. That's, that's a lie. He came off the bench on the 58th minute. He had to be substituted on the 73rd minute. So what's that? 15. 15 minutes. And then that was him. He's not been seen since. So yeah, um, I was going to say, even like even if he can ever get and maintain his fitness, just all those years of development, you know, in his career are are, are gone. Like he, he'll have just regressed from the point of view he'll, he wouldn't have played. Yeah. yeah. You know, he's not going to keep up this peer group. There'll be guys coming through that will be better than him so yeah it's a shame the way that that's worked out for him I think it's also like when we spoke with Tommy Hoban I think he mentioned that you know all these injuries they do add up and you know it's gonna be it's potentially even impactful on sounds severe but it's like quality of life as well so yeah yeah would you you don't you don't consider when you're just looking from the outside in as a as a fan as a wage at your club and you don't consider all the rest of it so yeah uh, it's clearly just not gonna work out for him um which is always a bit of a shame, but them's the breaks. Anyway, let's move on. Up top, Bojan Miofsky, in a sign of our new European-wide scouting philosophy, the signing of a North Macedonian international from a Hungarian side uh, certainly showed a marked change, shall we say, in our signing policy. Arrived on a four-year deal, another undisclosed fee paid, this time to MTK Budapest, I think it's fair to say that was in the region of between four hundred and five hundred thousand pounds is what um, we believe that fee was. It's fair to say there was a lot of intrigue about Miofsky and the signing of him because, uh, and we touched on it last week with Andy Money. His YouTube showreel was interesting because there was some good finishes and there were a lot of sclaffs and not great finishes in there as well. And being honest, I don't think anyone out here um, in Scotland is going to try and pretend that they were connoisseurs of the Hungarian Premier Division. Um, Although, in fairness, the discussions we had with uh, Philip Mishoff and 
Aaron at the time certainly indicated that Miofsky was a player with certainly some talent and something to look out for. Anyway, after a protracted work permit process and um, immigration visa for his dog, Miofsky finally arrived in time to start our final League Cup group game against Wraith Rovers, instantly displacing Christian Ramirez as the main striker at the club, taking his number nine shirt to boot. Um, he started as he meant to go on, won a penalty and dispatched it brilliantly within six minutes. Um, Graham, we touched on Andy Murray last week. I know it wasn't, it was Tom, sorry, two weeks ago. Um, the penalty, that first opening penalty, a bit of a statement, wasn't it? Yes, there's a man who just confident and backs himself. It wasn't a, he wouldn't say it was really a, it wasn't necessarily the safest option. It, it wasn't that shit Lewandowski pulled today. Oh, oh. I, I've gone right off him. Absolutely outrageously <laughs> good player. And then he does that and I'm like, no, nah, no thanks. It's just so bad. And then he did it again. I really, really wanted him to balloon it over. Miss it again. It would amazing be the same it. again. It would have been brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, Miofsky, since that game against Wraith, he's played every game so far. Total of 21 appearances across the season. 12 goals in total to his name. Joint top goal scorer in the league on 11 going into the World Cup break. He's got the highest expected goals um, metric in the league as well on 10.7. So he is slightly outperforming that metric. That said, he also tops the table for big chances missed in the league. 12 in total um, on that one. All in all, it's, it's hard to argue that Miofsky's not been a success. But is there still that little question mark about the home versus away form still? Is that a question to the whole team and management team I think it is but it, it almost feels really marked in terms of Miofsky I think it's a, I think you're right it is across yeah, the entire team I was being slightly flippant but actually if be serious we're rank away from uh, from home which probably means no you know we don't have the ball we're not creating chances so he's going to suffer from that although I, I there is a I know what you mean there's, there's sort of Miofsky you get to uh, Pataudry you think yes this guy's going to make us a fortune and score us a lot of goals and then there's the Miofsky you see away from home, not in a game or missing chances. So definitely more to come from him in terms of overall consistency over the season. But so far, it's a pretty tidy start. Um, I think with Miofsky, I was very excited when he arrived. You know, Jim Goodwin made a big point about him and sounded really positive. And this was clearly um, a sizable investment in the player. Then throw in the four-year contract, and you'll see there's a clear confidence. Um, I think he's by and large been a pretty classy player for us. Um, does a lot of really good work off the ball to create space for others. Um, it's not obviously assists, but you know, is it like basketball or NFL or whatever? Like, you know, secondary assists. That's what I'd be giving him for the space he can create for especially Duke since they've become a a, a real genuine partnership. A player that's still got some work to do, um, still developing, also not the finished article. Um, of course, he's not, because if he was, he wouldn't be an Aberdeen player. Um, I think there's clear indication, seems like there's some genuine truth to the speculation that clubs are looking at him, and I think we're going to flip him for some pretty big money, um, which is uh, may, makes him a complete success, and he's, yeah, he's, he's joint top scorer in the league. Can't really ask much more than that. Um, there have been games, there have been real opportunities missed um, thinking of the two open goals obviously against um, Hibs and against Dundee United beyond that Dundee United he could have had a couple more chances if he'd taken them with maybe a cooler head than uh, than he did in those times but all in all um, I've, I like him a lot um, I think he brings a, just a different level um, of striking 
than we've had in terms of consistency, in terms of, you know, just um, the, the sense of kind of, I think I, I sense that opposition teams know that they're in for it when they see Miofsky and they, they can't let this guy have chances. And we've not really had that since, you know, probably Adam Rooney. So yeah, all in all, been just delighted with him. Yeah, I think as well, the, the thing for me is that I think trying to compare him to strikers in the past is kind of difficult because I think that all round he's a better player than Rooney was. Um, so. yep. Although Rooney was probably more clinical in the, the 18 yard box, I think it's probably fair to say. Um, I think there's a lot to really like about Miofsky. I think that the thing that I really like about him is his, his, his movement and his, yeah, his ability off the ball as well as on it. I think that he actually creates opportunities without um, it being obvious what's happening. And I think that he dovetails really nicely with the guy we're going to talk about in a minute um, as a front two. I think it's been a really successful signing so far. It's hard to argue with the numbers in this one. Um, I think strikers, you know, we talked about earlier on that data sometimes can be misleading, but I think when strikers are concerned, the numbers are kind of all that really matters uh, to a huge extent. Look at Jaden Stockley, uh, not Jaden Stockley, Sam Cosgrove, um, who it's kind of clear that I think Birmingham City just looked at numbers and I'm not entirely sure they really looked at a player and his all-round ability and game and what that would bring to their team. Um, it says all, I think, that you know we signed a guy for, let's just say, half a million, and we're already talking about flipping over 10 times that much if the rumours about Stadrem are, are true. And we touched on it last week with Andy Murray. I think we probably have to accept the fact that he's he's done an interview recently with Philip Mishoff, actually, um, on behalf of the Daily Record. You know, he's, he's made it very clear that he plans to see the season out with Aberdeen. Didn't really commit much further than that, it's fair to say, in that interview. Um, it's probably fair to say that we probably just have to enjoy Bojan Miofsky while he's here and hope to God that our recruitment team have already identified Bojan Miofsky Mark II, I think. Yeah, hopefully we're cloning him as we speak. <laughs> In terms of out of 10, <laughs> Lee Sharp's just like approaching, like going like through his jack, just like finding a hair. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't, don't mind me, Bojan, just sampling some DNA. <laughs> uh, sampling your Aber DNA. <laughs> oh yes, nice corporate corporate link. Well done. Speaking um, about Aberdeen, how much of a farce is, are the Darvel ticket process? How much of a farce is that going to be? Yeah, what was it? Two thousand or something? That it, well, I guess I don't know what they weigh. Darvel seem to think they can get like six thousand. I think. But I it doesn't. It doesn't really matter. It's still going to be a farce because demand will be. It's going to be hilarious. <laughs> it's going to be hilarious watching everybody shit themselves about. Everything to do with this ticket process is going to be. I propose that we just install a Thunderdome in the RDS concourse. Yeah, I'm up, I'm up, I'm up for that. I don't really want to go to Ayrshire in January. <laughs> Stand on a hill. Last time we went to Air in that kind of time was Jason Brown's debut. So that's uh, yeah, that was enough for yeah. one lifetime. Graham will stick fifty quid on Aberdeen again, and Jason Brown will come waddling out of the goals and Probably. be out of pace by Gary Harkins. Anyway. Good times, eh? Good times, lads. Uh, marks out of 10 for Bojan Miofsky. I'm going to go for eight and a half. Eight and a half. Gav? I will say eight. Eight. Uh, I'm going to go eight and a half as well. I think he's been really, really good. Uh, just those misses um, against United and Hibs are probably grating on me a touch. And the last, but certainly not least, Duke signed from Benfica B on a three-year deal. It's not clear really what happened with Duke in terms of what we've paid for him, if we've paid anything for him, if Benfica B still have 
staking him. Who knows? Who cares? Described. We're we gonna being, get involved in some sort of like what was it? Tevez and Carlos Mascherano. Tevez and Mascherano. Yeah. <laughs> uh, ownership rights. Neil Warnock's Neil, gonna, Neil gonna be fucking guess. mental. <laughs> um, described as being raw, a bit of a project player made his debut off the bench in the League Cup group game against Sterling Albion in a hilarious 45-minute cameo. We touched on it with Tom Watt a few weeks back. Um, since then, though, he's gone from strength to strength. A first goal against St Mirren, a ridiculous pair of goals against Ross County and Hibs, and then really came into starting 11 from the Hearts game onwards. Perhaps a player who has benefited big time from the change in shape because it means we go with two up top. Let's be honest. Um... A truly fun footballer to watch. A real maverick. 19 appearances in total. Eight goals so far, which is a really impressive return rate for a player who we weren't, I don't think, expected too much from this season. I'm really, really enjoying watching him. I like when there's this sort of almost like comedy element sometimes to his his play in terms of what's going to happen. Does he know what's going to happen? But overall, he's fast, he's strong, he's skillful. And he is contributing to to the team. I mean, his work rate's decent. So it's not like you're carrying a luxury player. He does put in a shift, chipped him some goals. Uh, I think just his his skill and his pace is enough to make people maybe think twice about, um, you know, even if they're pushing up. So that maybe lets us get a little bit further forward because teams are sitting a little deeper. Uh, I'm just really enjoying watching him. Didn't think we would have seen him play as much as we have, but long may it continue. I think he's definitely worthy of a place in the team. Um, he is an absolute firecracker of a player. Um, just, yes, he's the, he's the kind of player that makes you want to go and watch football. It's, you know, it's the reason that Graham Giles isn't trawling through the Highland League or Lowland League or the deepest, darkest corners of Scottish football looking for a game with his son because his son wants to go and watch Duke play. Um, he's given what we were kind of led to believe what was described to us when he first signed versus the product we've got I mean it's just he's, he carries such a threat and it, it's it's almost as though like his brain like just like it's like just the next step is all there's thinking about so then like you can't actually prepare for what he's going to do because in reality he doesn't know what he's going to do you see players like this come to Aberdeen and they, they're like the, the danger man and opposition sides work out and they'll figure out a system. No one has an answer for Duke. It's incredible. Yeah, he's exactly. He's not one-dimensional. You you can try and get tight to him. Yeah, he'll just, and roll, he will he'll just, just roll you. It, well, yeah, because he's strong or he will just do some skill or you sit off him, which is a mistake because unless you're outrageously quick, you're not getting anywhere near him. Yeah. And he's difficult to bully off the ball. He's Yeah, I'm really, really enjoying watching him. I, I know there's that, is he under control but so what and it's more than just someone who can do a bit of skill and then doesn't really do anything in the game he's generally yeah. in the games he's contributing to the team so you're getting kind of the best of everything end, pro- end product absolutely yeah. Um, yeah. and he's just he's a really good finisher yeah this is what we're going to come on to I think we talked about Tom and we talked about Andy last week in that first 45 minutes we saw of him at Sterling Albion I think we were all like ah oh, fuck man like this guy looks like he's going to be really entertaining, but for all the wrong reasons. Like, he doesn't really know what he's doing, and it's going to be funny, and he's going to try step overs, and he's probably quite skillful, but might be a bit terrible at the same time. You know, these guys you see at goals who've got, like, all the tricks, but, like, no end product. 
Yes. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah. Uh, and then his first goal against Samira when he just lifts it over the keeper. Yeah. Beautifully. It was like, shit, there's like a there's a finisher in there. There's like a bit of calmness, a bit of coolness, a bit of game awareness in there. And then he's kind of gone on from strength to strength. He scores ridiculous goals. The header against Hibs, we touched on it last week with Andy Money. I, I still don't know how he did it. I, I can't figure out the goal at Ross County. Graham, you and I were there. I mean, that game was one of the worst games of football I've ever seen. It was horrendous. It was utter nonsense. And he came on with what? I don't know how long he was on the pitch for. Maybe the last 10 minutes, I think. And he caused havoc from the moment he was on the park. Ross County didn't know what to do with them. I think we nearly, we nearly scored not long after he came on because Ross County didn't have a clue what to do. And then the goal is just silly. Like, on the TV, it looks brilliant. But if you were there in person, I think you can appreciate the goal much more for what it was because the ball flicked up off of himself and it was at pace. It didn't just like loop up. It happened all very, very quickly. The fact he had the the presence of mind to even think about doing what he does and then execute it, excellence of execution, um, it's just crazy. And it's, you know, we should have won that game. That should have been the winner. It wasn't. Um Everything about him just screams Maverick and cult hero. And I've heard some people say he's already starting to go beyond cult hero. And I kind of don't want him to. I kind of want him to stay as cult hero. Just a joy to watch. It feels, Andy talked about last week, I don't think we've seen a player like this at Aberdeen since Zero Alley in terms of that pure Maverick joyfulness. It's 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 a bit of a show and a bit of a performance. Yeah, but, and it's, it's but a bit with of a, a tangible. Well. Pro- yeah, I think there's a guy who's just just wants to play football. Yeah, and almost mm. not taking it too seriously. Yeah, you know, um, like the, the kind of example. I mean, he's got the presence of mind to even think of it, but it just sort of happens. And he's like, "Yeah, why not? Why wouldn't you try that?" Whereas most people are not going to take it on. And I like that. I think that's why I like Miofsky. Was joking like they're sort of like a sitcom odd couple. Yeah. I feel like Miofsky sort of glides around the pitch looks like he always knows what he's doing and Duke's just kind of playing football in his own little world but it's working and you want exciting players in your team and it is exciting to watch Miofsky is the swan that you see above the water <laughs> yeah Duke definitely the, the legs. <laughs> definitely but it's exciting mental it's exciting to watch in the water based puns puns yeah <laughs> yeah um, but yeah I mean Great, excellent to watch, really fun, and he's delivered big time. Um, it's one of those, if there are clubs looking at our Miofskis and our Connor Barrett, I find it hard to believe they were not looking at Duke and thinking themselves, that's a player we could use as well. So I think yeah. much like Miofsky, um, we might have to just, yeah, I think we should definitely savour Luis Lopez while he's at Aberdeen. I think the thing as well, I made the comparison there with Zero Ali. And Zero Ali was a really, really good footballer. Of course he was. Um, and had that maverick streak in him. But I felt that Zero Ali was inconsistent as well. And he played in a really bad Aberdeen team. So it's kind of hard to, to really judge this. The thing about Duke as well is, although he's raw and a project player in inverted commas, he's actually delivered a lot in his time here. Even in games where he's not scored, he's contributed heavily. Um, you know, he wins the penalty against Hibs. Where he kind of ma- he, he makes... Right. You can look at that penalty incident in so many different ways. And I think if we're being kind, he manufactures a situation where the referee has to make a decision, right? But he makes that happen. 
against United, he's given a brilliant through ball by Miofskin, by Miofskin, by Miofsky, wins the penalty. Okay, he doesn't score in that game, but he wins the penalty kick. Those are two pivotal moments in both those games where he significantly contributes. He doesn't score in any of those games, but a significant contributor in them as well. So even when he's not scoring goals, he's contributing to the wider team, gives teams something to think about. Nothing, I, I've said it before, and I will say it again, I I struggle to believe I will see anything as funny at Pataudry this season as when Duke was running away with one good leg from the Hearts right back. Who was it? Was it? Uh, or was it not that jabroni Sibic? It could have been Sibic. I don't know who it was. Smith? I don't know. Anyway, genuinely one of the funniest things I've seen in a long, long time. And then he still had the presence of mind to set up Bajem with an inch-perfect pass. You know, the Bajemin who's not been in great form this season couldn't miss. Um, brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Where we, How we picked him up, I have no idea. How we persuaded him to move to Aberdeen, I have no idea. But whoever it was that was involved in that deserves all the plaudits in the world. I hope to hell this is not like a flash in the pan and it's like six months of absolute brilliance and then it's Jeffy Monacana from this point in. But <clears throat> I struggle to believe that will be the case. If you had to give Duke a market of 10... <laughs> What, what I did, you give like, what I noticed on Twitter is that many people were not going by those parameters. No, they weren't. They were stretching um, these parameters. There were a greatly. few more, few more zeros added on to his um, his rankings. A, a lot of people, like Andy Money last week, were watching Duke in the Tokyo Dome, dropping guys on their heads, yep. countering Hurricanes into power bombs, yep. kicking out of finishers for the seventh yep. time, roll up for the finish. Absolutely, Graham. Um, if you had to, Duke, I'm going to go with an eight and a half again. I'm really enjoying. Oh, eight and a half. I know. Oh. Come on, I've got to be the... <laughs> the sensible one. The sensible yeah. one, so I'm going with eight and a half. You need to protect your brand, fair enough. <laughs> uh, I'm going to say nine. Nine. Um, just excellent. Um, like I say, it's just given us such a different dimension and so many games he's, he's just looked straight up unplayable and I look forward to seeing what he can do the rest of the season. Twelve and a half. He would get ten, but that goal against Hearts just tops it off for me. Um 12 and a half. Unbelievable bit of business. There we go. Um, if we were to say that anything over a six, anything over a seven is a hit. I'd go with that. Anything over a seven is a hit. And on averages. So that's one, two, three, four, five, six. Six out of 11. Six out of 11. With one who's not really applicable. Oh, two who are not really Cal Roberts and Shaden Morris both didn't get scores from Graham and I. So it's really six out of nine. That's a pretty good, that's that's not a bad bit of work. Not that that's a scientific trend, but if that was to continue, that would blow the previous regime's recruitment out of the water. That's not difficult. Is well, it? Let's I mean, be honest. I mean, the point, in general, I would argue at any club, if you were getting that sort of strike rate, you'd be in good shape. Yeah, yeah I think six out of nines are really impressive. That's, a, that's what a 66% success rate. I think you look around all clubs, big budgets, no budgets, unlimited budgets, fundamentally recruiting players and getting them to play well in your team isn't as easy, I think, as people think. I mean, you look at, I don't know, it doesn't matter what team you look at, Man City, for example, they've got some excellent players. They've also spunked a load of money on guys who didn't cut it. And they can do, I mean, they can pretty much attract whoever they want to get whoever they want, and they still can't consistently get it right so the further you fall down the food chain the harder it is and arguably the more competitive the market is so to to find uh, a bunch of players that are performing as they are 
In one window as well. In one window with some pretty left field signings from from the norm is impressive. And if that continues to the end of the the season, these guys continue performing, um, things don't look too bad. I mean, you look around our competition, um, Hearts and Hibs, look at their business. They've not done especially great, um, especially Hibs, um, in terms of improving their squad um, even further up. I think Rangers have not recruited well in the summer. Graham's right. I mean, you know, even Barcelona, one of the biggest clubs in the world, and they, they signed Marvin Braithwaite. So recruitment is, is definitely not easy. And this time, roughly last year, we um, did this kind of chat and we were not coming away with a 66.6% hit rate. No, we absolutely weren't. And as I remember, we not long after that, was it after January? I think we did the full-blown hit rate since yeah. the 2017 Scottish Cup final. And that was a brutal, brutal listen. Um to anyone that might have been an Aberdeen fan in terms of our success rate on that. So it's a marked improvement. So the original plan would be we'd now move on and talk about other news from Pataudry, the women's team, uh, the young team, our lone watch, all the typical shenanigans before we then break for part one. And that leads into part two, which would be the interview with Lee Scott. But as we mentioned already, circumstances have got in the way. It's a reshuffle. Ross McCrory's playing left wing now who knows what's happening we're going to bring you that interview with lee scott in a separate episode most likely as i mentioned probably on friday but that being said this seems like a good time to take a break and we will talk about as i mentioned other news from Pataudry, lone watch the women's team the young team and of course jeff's music corner we'll see you on the other side this episode of the ABZ football podcast is brought to you by siberia bar and hotel on bellman street Aberdeen. Book your Christmas night out at Siberia, who are offering area hire, buffet platters and a welcome drink for just £30 per person this festive season. Get in touch by emailing scott at siberia-aberdeen.com That's scott at siberia-aberdeen.com For more details and while you're at it, why not grab tickets at the same time for Siberia's 2023 Hogmanay celebrations with music from Home Alone. Odds news from Pataudry and Cormac Park this week. Now, I think the biggest news of the week came on Monday, typically um, after we'd already had episode 73 in the can. It's almost like they do that to us, Gavin, isn't it? It's almost like they do it to us deliberately. They've obviously um, reinitiated the mic inside my Considino. <laughs> <laughs> it's basically an Alexa, but with a Considino costume of the top. <laughs> Don't say Alexa, you'll wake her up. <laughs> yeah, the news came on Monday that um, despite their successful 2-1 win at United on Sunday, Emma Hunter and Gavin Beath had stepped down from their roles as co-managers of the women's team. The club statement indicated that this came about following the game on Sunday, that it was Gavin Beath and Emma Hunter's decision to resign. But watching the end of that game last week, it was pretty clear that the players knew about this before the game started. Reading between the lines, having talked to a few people around the club as well, it would appear that this was maybe a decision made for um, Emma Hunter and Gavin Beath rather than them necessarily wishing to step down now I think it's a big blow in particular for the team when it comes to Emma Hunter who's been a, an integral part of the growth of the women's team at the club uh, has been involved with coaching many of the young players 
who are now in the first team at Aberdeen from a from a young age. She's been part and parcel of the journey of integrating the old Aberdeen ladies first team back into the club, prof- eh, I'll say professionally, back into the club and then leading them back through back-to-back promotions from SWFL Division 1 North through SWPL 2 and into a maiden season last season in the top flight where they finished up an impressive fifth behind three full-time teams and a very, very experienced hip side at that level. And I think it's fair to say results this season have been much harder to come by, um, but it's also fair to say, I think, that anyone in the Aberdeen role is going to find it tricky. While we've adopted this uh, hybrid model in terms of playing contracts this campaign, there are, I think it's five of the uh, of the women are now on are on professional contracts at the club. Ultimately, though, you're relying on players based in the northeast of Scotland as attracting top players on a non-professional basis out of the central belts. The central belt? Central belt is going to be a major challenge. Graham's having a big old laugh at that Freudian slip. Um, yeah, attracting players out of the central belt who are non-professionals, big challenge because there's so many options in that area for players to play in. And then obviously experienced heads like Kelly Forrest, Carrie Doig retired at the end of last season as well. So this season it's very much an Aberdeen women's team filled with young players, young talent. You have seen obviously the, the, the big three in the league, Glasgow City Rangers and Celtic continuing their professional status. Hearts have gone semi-professional as well this season. Hibs continue to to be very, very experienced at this level. So Welsh results have not necessarily been there, I don't think. I think it's it's definitely a harder job for anyone coming at the Aberdeen role this season. But Jen, it's just your thoughts on that one from, from last Monday. It's a bit of a surprise. I realise the campaign's not going as well as anyone would want, but I think the, the league's slightly odd, and by that I mean it's skewed by the mixture of fully professional teams sort of half and half hybrid, like we've tried to go with a couple of others uh, and then, you know, teams that are um, neither of the two. So it's not, it's a slightly odd comparison to compare teams in that league because there's actually some pretty big fundamental differences in how those clubs are, uh, how the teams are set up. So yeah, it's not been going as well, but I am still, it was a bit of a surprise and especially if, I guess, Emma had been there for, for so long, it's, you know, it was kind of like the end of an era. Uh, to a degree, I think there was a bit of me so maybe this might not be the right way to look at it. Is this a statement of intent from the club? You know, the, why should the women's team be treated differently from the men's? As in, if the men's was languishing in that sort of position, we'd be doing something about it because it's unacceptable. So why would it be acceptable for them? So from that point of view, thinking, well, maybe it's a statement of intent and they really want to try and push on. But still, if you wanted to go down that route, then surely you'd just try and give them better tools to do their job. And by that, I mean more resources rather than, you know, because what fundamentally, I think you're right, geographically, we, we see it, you see it in the men's team, sometimes just attracting players to Aberdeen can be difficult, but you can compete with wages. It's going to be difficult to get people up here when you can't necessarily offer them full-time football to pay the bills. So, you know, they've then got to, what they're going to do, commute or have to actually find themselves, you know, it's a different ball game if you're actually having to find yourself a day job to then come up and play football. I think with the way the, the division set up, the way we've set up, that's going to prove tricky for anyone. Yeah, I think all I'd add to that is just, you know, um, you know it's difficult not to express sympathy to the folks here who have lost their job. Um, 
especially Emma, as as Graham says, she's been such a integral part of the Doman's team, and obviously she does work beyond um, just coaching and does essential work for the community trust as well. So um, we think we've heard how much this is um, how much this is this news has hurt Emma, and just want to wish her all the best going forward and whatever she chooses to do. A strange timing in the sense that yeah, the season has been off the back of the the two promotions and then last season, you know, consolidating, finishing where they where they aimed to finish. As I imagine they did want to kind of kick on. This year has been difficult for the reasons that you've you've both mentioned, which is primarily the the strength and the resources of the teams um in the central belt. But it had felt that the team had kind of turned a corner a little bit. Um obviously got the win at Pataudry. And then, you know, they go and get a, a good result at Tanadice. And then, you know, you see the news breaking and um, it'll be interesting to see what the club have up their sleeve with this move. Um, if Graham's right, if this is going to be a statement and if we are see um, a, a more, a, like a real name manager come in in her place um, and what that can mean for the team. But um, yeah, the season is disappointing, but it's worth remembering where the club were, where the women's side were when this all started and how far Emma's taken them. So I think we should just... Uh, Thank her for all her efforts and I wish her the best in the future. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, shall we move on from that, I think? Yeah. Um, oh, actually, before we move on from that, um, what about the item from the club shop that I shared with you boys this week? Quite possibly my favourite item in the AFC club shop uh, at the moment. Are you referring to the AFC branded condolences? Yes, the AFC <laughs> branded with sympathy card. Um <laughs> <laughs> available for, I think, a discounted rate. I think it might have been a Black Friday special. Uh, pretty morbid. Ironically. <laughs> um, uh, tell you what, nothing says you have my condolences at a time of desperation than a marble effect with sympathy card with the AFC embossed logo on the front of it. You say that, but if I suffer some bad news and I don't get an AFC branded card from one or both of you, <laughs> I'll know that our friendship is worthless. I like to think that these are what we present players or staff with when we're future endeavouring them. <laughs> Just Jet was given his payoff at one of those. <laughs> <laughs> but with uh, with sympathy scored out. <laughs> Just as P45. What they should do though is, now I think about it, they should give them their payoff in like credit for the club shop. Yes, I don't know if that's... That'd be interesting. There we go. Rob Wicks, you can have that one for free. Um, <laughs> I feel there's almost a segment in here which is like looking at like the worst items available in any club shop up and down the country. Yeah, we could have done this idea about three weeks ago. <laughs> the winner is always the annual calendar, which is out of date by the time <laughs> it's printed. <laughs> this season, though, they've finally decided that that's a silly thing because there's there's the official calendar, but there's also a, a Heritage Trust 1983 calendar, which isn't going to go out of date, funnily enough. When I was in the club shop in about September, October time to pick up my shirts, I did notice that you could still buy a Lewis Ferguson branded mug. Well, you know, you've got to shift that stock somehow. Um, <laughs> there we go. Might be a feature for the next couple of weeks. The worst item we can find in... Well, we're restricted to the SPFL. I was oh, yeah. going to say, not just that, yeah... Yeah, restricted to the SPFL. Um, no, the, the whole thing. 
Okay. Well, maybe to begin with the Premiership, because I don't have that much time this week. But, I was going to say, that's a lot of Googling. So, yeah. division at a time when there's fillers yeah. to be. Yeah. <laughs> Stopping yeah. fillers. Anyway. So, yeah, with sympathy from Aberdeen Football Club. Uh, on the loan watch, Conor McLennan, uh, not applicable, obviously, St. Johnston, not in action this week. Keen Neguenia, a start, 79 minutes for Neguenia as his wraith over side went down 2-0 to Air United at Somerset Park in the Championship. Mason Hancock, not in the match they squad, as our broth drew 1-1 with mental Doogie Imbrie's Greenick Morton in the Championship. That'll be Greenick Morton who are currently pulling that contract off for the league Griffiths. I would imagine so. <laughs> um, unless he can fix their way up to the Premier League. Hey. Uh, Evan Towler, allegedly. Evan Towler, an unused sub as Cove drew 1-1 with Partick Thistle at the Balmoral. We touched on it in the intro. A last-minute goal from Partick Thistle goalkeeper Jamie Snedden denying Cove all three points there. Is there anything better than a goalkeeper scoring in the last minute of a game? Never seen it in person. No, no. Still waiting. Kelrus, come on down. Hamden, January. Thank you, Kel. Tom Ritchie, the full 90 minutes as Peterhead were beaten 3-0 by Kelty Hearts in David Robertson's first match in charge of the Blue Toon. A uh, bit of a left field appointment there from the Blue Toon. Tell you what, Kashmir or Peterhead? <laughs> from a war zone to, well, maybe not a full-blown war zone, but looks like it sometimes. <laughs> or Kashmir. Um <laughs> And eggs on Nicky Lowe amongst the goals for Kelty Hearts. Kevin Hanratty, an unused sub again for Forth Athletic as they beat Albion Rovers 1-0 at Station Park as they inch closer to coming off the bottom of the table in League 2 and proving me right as they launch a late-season <laughs> charge to the top of the table. <laughs> <laughs> and Dean Campbell... Played 88 minutes as big bad Steve Evans, Stevenage, ran wild on Barrow Town, brother. A 5-0 win for Stevenage, who remain in second place in League 2 down south. They're now nine points above the playoff places. There's a real chance Stevenage are going to get promoted this season. And they were unquestionably one of the worst teams in the country last season. So Credit to Dean Campbell. Say what you want about how he does it, but Steve Evans, that league, just it's a cheat code. Oh, those burning envelopes help. Anyway, uh, on to the other I think we, team. Need to talk, we need to talk about David Robertson for like one more second. Okay, what do you say about David Robertson? Well, he did a little interview with the BBC and he remarked that Peterhead is the perfect club for him to integrate back into Scottish football. And all this confirms to me is that League One in Scotland is not covered in India. Because <laughs> yeah. Peterhead are fucking terrible. Yeah, they are. I, I was actually amazed though. It turns out Clyde are just as bad this season. I, had, I assume Peterhead were well, well, well cut adrift, but they're only two points off Clyde. There's a massive gap between Clyde then and Kelly Hartz. But critically, they're both like massively cut off from everyone else. So Yeah, but uh, in, in, if you could get yourself in 11th, no, 9th, you might survive in the playoff, which for how Peterhead have been this season would be pretty remarkable. Um, he's joining them at a pretty challenging time and ignore the league position, but is this this feels like the first season where they've just really struggled to keep that almost like punching above their weight recruitment going. <laughs> so he's going to do well if he can uh, if he can keep them up. We've just had them. Um, we've just had a message in from um, Jeff of Jeff oh, Music yeah. Corner fame, just telling us that he's still alive. And I was like, "What are you on about?" Oh, Dante, big Dante is. Dante must Jeff, be a pretty so. tall guy because Jeff's not. Jeff's pretty tall, yeah. But look at Dante's rings. It's like he's wearing the AEW diamond ring there. Looks more like he's rocking brass knucks. Is he MGF? 
that's from, way too niche. They're from the right area of... Anyway, there we go. Fuck, where were we? David Robertson. He's got his work cut out. He's got work cut out. Good luck to him. Yeah, good luck, because you're going to need it, brother. Uh, <laughs> I'm not sure there's many Aberdeen fans who share that sentiment. Never mind. On to the young team. The young team left it late to pick up the points in the Cass Under-18 League. A late win at Cormac Park against Sevco Youth. Managed by ex-Aberdeen defender Stephen Smith. Remember Stevie Smith? Yeah, remember him? He was, he was all right. It's okay, I suppose. Um, we went through a, a weird habit for a little while around that era about signing ex-Rangers defenders who were well past their best by the time they got here, didn't we? Well, I mean, Stevie Smith and Morris, Morris Ross for him. Um, I think that might be it. So That's probably those two, to be honest. Yeah, never mind. Probably wasn't a habit as such. <laughs> it was two. Uh, after a frantic opening 20 minutes at Cormac Park, it was against the run of play that the visitors took the lead. A decent finish from Curtis across Oyemi in the Don's goal. But the Don's responded well. Bavage feeding Adam Emsley and what his low shot was well stopped by the Sevco goalkeeper. The Don's did get an equaliser shortly afterwards. Alfie Stewart with a wonderful piece of imagination to sneak a free kick in at the near post past the goalkeeper with everyone waiting on a cross ball. So half time. 1-1, so I've just had a follow-up tweet, a follow-up message from Jeff, who's confirmed that his trousers and his all-round gear were absolutely awful. So, there we go. Jeff's or Dante's? <laughs> he didn't <laughs> say. Okay, we'll leave that one open. In the second half, in the youth team came Bavage with an early goal ruled out for offside against Liam Harvey. Who says this doesn't happen right the way through the leagues, eh? Anyway, uh, Harvey then passing up a couple of great opportunities before being substituted for Lewis Pirie. And whilst Aberdeen were beginning to dominate, the visitors remained threatening on the break. Perry also with a goal disallowed for offside. Yep, that's right. And just as things looked like they were about to peter out for a draw, Alfie Bavage, who else, stepped up to grab the winner. Dylan Lobham with a fine effort, saved by the keeper, and Bavage was on hand to stab home the winner as the game tripped over into stoppage time. A fine win that leaves the young team a couple of points off top place with games in hand. Next up is a trip to Hibs on Friday afternoon and onto the women's team Academy Director Gavin Levy supported by Claire Garrett and Youth Academy coaches Mark Emsley Matthew Mackey and Head of Academy Performance Kevin Simmon in charge of the women's team this week after the resignation of Emma Hunter and Gavin Beath and they made one change to the side who beat United 2-1 last time out Donna Patterson coming back into defence in place of Millie Uckert and in cold and windy conditions at Cove Who'd have thunk it? The game got underway in frantic fashion. Bailey Collins going with a long dry, a long range effort that was well held by Yates and goals for Spartans before she had to tip over a fine effort from Bailey Hutchison as the home side settled into the game better. The away side though began to make their way into the game and Annalisa McCann in the home goal had to act sharply to stop a header from Galbraith and then a long range effort from Marshall. But the Quines did finally grab a goal that their first half efforts deserved. Ogilvy doing well to drive into the box and her low shot snuck in for her second goal of the campaign. But the home side's delight was short-lived. Louise Masson sending a 30-yard effort past McCann to see the sides go in level at the break. And after the half-time interval, Ogilvy having an effort coming off the post before Hutchison nearly caught out the Spartans keeper with a long-range effort. With the game finally balanced, Collins with a great effort from 30 yards coming back off the bar and then she fired wide a couple of minutes later. But the Dons couldn't quite get a winning goal and the points were shared. Up next is a visit to Rangers on the 18th of December before the league takes the best part of a month off for the winter break. (laughs) 
just want to give a shout out to those of you who continue to make your regular monthly contributions to the beer and coffee fund we see you your bread's appreciated if you'd like to help keep us fueled in beers or coffees please head on over to abz uh, sorry to ko-fi.com forward slash abz football podcast the link is in the description buy us a beer or a coffee it is much appreciated and it's taken ages for us to come back to this but we are continuing with our fundraising activities this season uh, the three of us have committed to gavin's grimacing at this committed to run cycle and crawl the 2261 kilometers that represents the distance between aberdeen and gothenburg before the 11th of may 2023 to mark the 40th anniversary of our famous victory over real madrid in the swedish reign if you would like to make a donation that will see funds split 50 50 between aber necessities and the afc heritage trust please head on over to justgiving.com forward slash crowdfunding forward slash ABZ football podcast. The link again is in the description. And I finally got around to updating this last week, uh, the spreadsheet, the spreadsheet of doom, um, which takes me up to uh, the 26th of November. So I still need to update a little bit further, but based on that, uh, I don't know what Graham the last time you updated it, but. Well, I don't understand what you've done. What do you mean? Don't understand what I've done. Well, you've got more days than I've got. But how have you... How update are you, Phil? That 4.7 was... But I've also got multiple entries per day, depending on what I've done. Oh, what's the fucking point of that? Because I couldn't be arsed, like, adding them. I just dumped them in. Oh, well, that'll explain that, then, you... Because I looked at yours, and like, you can't cheat by just going back and making up numbers to give <laughs> yourself more days. No, but no, no. I see that's what you've done. It's not just... A line per day because that'd be sensible. Yeah, because I could, I was just dumping them out of my appy thing. Anyway, I've got seven hundred sixty-two kilometers to go. Is my number um, as of the twenty-sixth of November? Graham is on nine hundred nine kilometers to go. So we're on the home stretch, Graham. You and I. Yes, I will be. Well, I was going to say I'll be getting back on it, but I can't, a couple of weeks ago, I was. I don't know what I was doing. Ended up down a rabbit hole, and then my mum announced that she still has my Nintendo sixty-four. Nice. And I was thinking, oh, I haven't played Goldeneye for years, obviously. Found out you can get a Nintendo to like HDMI converter oh, type thing. okay. So I'm going to get the old Nintendo back and then you'll probably never see me again. Excellent. <laughs> Lovely stuff. <laughs> so I may or may not be getting back on it and catching you up. I might be playing Goldeneye. Oh, mate, I remember evenings spent with you playing Goldeneye back in the day. Yes, Uh I was quite good at the old multiplayer, so... You were good at it, and I was horrendous because I didn't have an N64. I was a PlayStation boy. Um, yeah, so even more enjoyable from my point of view. Yeah, absolutely. Gav's languishing behind uh, 1,262Ks to go, Gav. Well, I mean, all I can comment on is that I'm sure back in the day, Johnny Hayes and Nell McGinn were smashing the 400 metres in quicker times, but Jason Brown made it as well. <laughs> well, there we go. Exactly. Yeah, Still time to go. danger of having to average... <laughs> Like a thousand kilometers a day at this rate, you're gonna wake up with the tenth of like, ah, shit. How am I gonna do this? It's all in hand. Still, all time to go. It's fine. If you want to donate, please go ahead um, to the link. It's in the description. Um, please do so. It supports two really, really good charities um, at this moment in time. And then we had a great response also to our first two installments of my favorite game with Duncan Shearer and Martin Stone. We've talked about it before, but we are going to continue to get a mixture of fans, ex-players, managers, etc. On the show to talk about their favorite Aberdeen game. If you would like to get involved, please hit us up on Twitter. Uh, our DMs are always open or email us at abzfootballpodcast at gmail.com. 
with the game you've picked, why you've picked it, and it can be for any reason, your first game, something silly about it, something sentimental about it, whatever it might be, please hit us up and uh, give us a shout. We'll get you in the show. We'll talk about your game in question. Jeff's just told me as well that Danny Povar is a very nice chap, though. Sure he is. So there we go. And it's speaking the about Jeff... we've all been waiting for. Exactly. Speaking about Jeff, it's back. After the success of last week's segment, Graham, you weren't here, so quickly, while you're here, your thoughts on Teenage Dirtbag by uh, Wheatus. Certainly fits the bill. Um, and I'm guessing you probably didn't alert the viewers to this fact, the viewers, listeners, that you've been to see them. I have been to see Wheatus live, yeah. It's true. Not going to lie about it. So another connection to the AVZFP. Uh, if we'd just done that, it'd be much easier, wouldn't it? <laughs> Could have saved you a bit of time. I think Gav was there as well, though. Gav's remaining nope. very quiet about nope. this. No. no, I don't think he was. Well, who was it then? Because he'd have been too... I was gonna... Little's not the right word, but he... he'd have been on the cusp of being too young. 100% have never seen Wheatus. It was back in the day. Nah, he'd have been... I think you'd just try to drag people down mm. with you. Hmm. Anyway, there we go. They only played Teenage Dirtbag once that evening, as I recall. They weren't quite at that point where they were having to play it three <laughs> times in a night. Anyway, Graham, it was your turn this week to bring a tune to Jeff's Music Corner. Yes. And you've selected... I have selected Saturday Night by Wigfield. I can hear lots of people just going, oof. Almost in a way... We we said last week the Wheatus was possibly the quintessential one hit wonder, but this might be the this might be this might be the quintessential one hit wonder. It's just unashamed cheese. Maybe the UK's teenage dirtbag. Uh, how do you mean? Oh shit, they're not from the UK. Sorry, never mind. No, they're not from the UK, Gav. This is so, never mind. Yeah, let's just <laughs> what's so going on here? Cutting room floor. <laughs> this is why Gav's in charge of the edit, so he doesn't look an idiot. I hadn't, I hadn't read that far down. They're from De- Oh, they're from Denmark. Right. Well, um, the singers the, from Denmark. The singers, the, yeah, the singers from Denmark. The the dancey music people were from Italy, apparently. So they're so they're Denmark and Italy's wheatus. Trans European Europop, I think is a better description. Thanks. Cosmopolitan as fuck. Interestingly, uh, I didn't realise this until I, looked at, I had to look it up now after Graham picked it. This song had actually been around for a couple of years before it hit the UK. It had been like a big song in Italy and stuff for like two years. Arrived in the UK in 1994, went straight to number one. They were the first ever artist to have their debut single go to number one in the UK. Um, and it knocked off Clyde Banks' favourite sons, Wet Wet Wet, from number one. And they'd been there for 15 weeks with that horrendous Love Is All Around song. Um I have seen Wet Wet Wet. Not specifically Wet Wet Wet, but they played Wait, um, they played the a Hogmanay show in Aberdeen one year. Is that the same one we're thinking about? Roughly no. around 2005, 2006 kind of time. Who else played that? Can't remember. Okay, so it's not the one I'm thinking about, because Graham, you and I will be thinking about the same Hogmanay thing. Yeah, but we had to... Did we see Liberty X before the Coral? Yes, we did. Which was not yesterday. Fun times. Anyway, James, uh, <laughs> your thoughts about Wakefield Saturday night? It's just a happy song. It's a happy song. <laughs> yeah, everyone's got their guilty pleasure. Just a bit of cheese. It's a bit cheesy, to be fair. It had a dance routine, didn't it? Yes. Yeah, I've no idea what it went like. Gav, you're way too young for this. You'd only been seven when this came I, out. I, in the UK. I know it because it, it must have been in TV or movies as well. Yeah, or periodically it'll appear or part of whatever. You can't not know it. And I think I, I think it would have had a pretty staple place in many of those like you know now that's what i call music type compilations yep so um yeah it's um uh, as far as what it is just as cheesy 
unadulterated pop music. It's yeah, it's good. It's catchy as fuck. Excellent. There we go. It reached number one in Germany, Ireland, Spain, and Switzerland as well. By 2015, it sold over 1.18 million copies in the UK. Released in the UK on the 5th of September 1994. What were the Mighty Dons up to that week? That's right, a 2 2 draw at Hibs. Billy Dodds and Brian Grant with the goals to pull us back after going 2 0 down after 24 minutes. So, yeah, there we go. So, how in through Jeff's music corner fashion can we get this one back to Aberdeen? Now, actually, this was way easier than I thought it was going to be, which is good. Uh, Wakefield front woman, we touched about earlier on. Sani Carlson was born in Scalescore in Denmark, which is located in Slagley's municipality. I have completely butchered that, but never mind. And there are two ways to get us to Aberdeen from here, because both Jim Larson, a centre-half, and Casper Henningsen, a winger, well-known footballers from the Slagley's municipality, both of them played for Silkborg in the mid-2000s, where they could count David Priest as a teammate, and, of course, David Priest, formerly of this parish. Of course, also, Saturday night is the last time we beat Dunedin. Very true. Easy peasy, lemon squeezy. And now that that business is out of the way, and as we touched on earlier on, after part one of the show where we focused in on our summer recruitment, we're delighted to welcome to the show a man who was part and parcel of that recruitment. He's now chief scout of Argentinian Premier Division side of LA, but previously was recruitment analyst at the Dons. It is Lee Scott. And we will be delighted to bring you that interview on Friday. That being said, let's go ahead and wrap this show up. Uh, Graham, you had something to say to me about um, the interview with Alex DiRocco. You didn't enjoy my attempted French pronunciations of things. I don't think myself or any of the French-speaking population <laughs> enjoyed your attempt at It was all like uh, Steve McLaren. <laughs> Joey Barton. Uh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, on that note, that will wrap up this week's episode of the ABZ Football Podcast. Thanks for joining us, and please remember to like, subscribe, or follow whatever you might do on your podcast. Player of choice, join us next week for episode 75, where thank God we can preview the return of actual football as Celtic visit Petodre as the World Cup grinds to a halt. And by this time next week, we'll know whether we really need to be shitting ourselves about it coming home or not. We'll look forward to seeing you then. Stand free. This episode of the ABZ Football Podcast was brought to you in association with Siberia Bar and Hotel on Belmont Street, Aberdeen. Head into the bar, quote the phrase ABZ Pod, that's ABZ Pod, for a £3 pint of Foster's, £4 pint of Moretti, or £5 pint of Fierce any day of the week, including match days. Siberia is open seven days a week, all year round, and the bar is located only 30 seconds walk from the nearest bus stop taking supporters to Stadium for free on match days. Come on, you Reds!